0: Shin! Standing by. (coughs) Complete.
1: (coughs) (laughs) Greetings, heroes of the internet. I'm Nathan. And I'm Christopher. And this is Henshin Man, a podcast that celebrates Japanese superheroes and their high-flying and high-kicking adventures. In this installment, we will be discussing Kamen Rider on
2: episodes 4 through 10.
1: Hello, listeners and... Hello to you, Chris, or Christopher. Which one do you prefer?
2: (laughs) I usually go by Christopher because everybody else goes by Chris.
1: Oh, okay, okay. So Christopher Reiner, welcome to the show. I believe this is your first time on a podcast?
2: Indeed it is, good sir. I am a podcasting virgin.
1: I, well, okay, you made the joke. I and I, You made the joke. I thought about doing it. I didn't know how well that would go over, so... <laughs> you went and made it first, so... I I cannot be held responsible. No, sir, you <laughs> cannot.
2: I will take all the blame.
1: I, I, uh, we're all to blame, according to Blink-182 and Godzilla Final Wars. But... Anyway, <laughs> okay, that was a reference. Anyway. I, so... You're you're on here because you've been a longtime listener of basically all of my podcasts and an occasional editor. Indeed. Yep. So you started with, I believe, Power Trip.
2: Yes, sir. I did. I was actually looking for a good Power Rangers podcast to listen to. while I was on the road, and most of the ones that I found were talking about how much how goofy it was or how much it sucked. And then I came across Power Trip, which took it seriously and treated it well, like, mm-hmm. like you would any English literature course or anything else, or film appreciation. <laughs> so I really dug into it, and I liked what you and Michael presented. So I started looking up your mm-hmm. podcast, and my list has grown, and I blame you all for my podcast addiction.
1: <laughs> Again, we're all to blame. <laughs> is blink 182? No, is it blink No, it's not Blink-182. Now suddenly I have to—I'm going to fact-check myself live here. <laughs> Because now I'm thinking it's like it's not Blink-182. Fact, oh,
2: fact check false. We may have to cancel you, sir.
1: Oh, uh, it wouldn't be the first time. Then, oh, it's Sum 41. It's Sum 41. Same, same. It's, okay, it's it's another punk band with a number in their name. That's like Okay. Sum 41, I have fact checked myself live. So, anyway, every
2: punk band, not the Interrupters.
1: Yeah, yes, <laughs> quite. Ha-ha! <laughs> 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 got it in. Let it yeah let let it begin so you volunteered actually to come on and cover the rest of common writer black sun cuz i did that initially on giant size violence with tommy trembath we did the first three episodes it was part of a little crossover we did where right before the show the black sun i should say dropped in october october 2022 we did the first couple episodes of the original *Common Rider Black because they were on YouTube. And then, serendipitously, as I am editing that thing, we get the news that it's being released on Blu ray. <laughs> and funny enough, this weekend, I had the sequel, Black RX, also released by Discotech. Nice. Came in the mail. So,
2: <laughs> I, I actually listened to both of those episodes. I recommend we'll go back and listen to him. A lot of good information mm-hmm. for the first three episodes, which I think you said we were going to go over a little bit here.
1: Not, yeah, we'll only go over it a little bit. The intention was to bring Tommy onto Henshin Men to finish out the rest of the show, but he, after he watched the rest of the show, he just wasn't all that interested in podcasting about it. He didn't have a lot of positives to say so i'm like okay that's fine but i did feel like i owed it to the heroes of the internet to finish the coverage of it and you decided to volunteer for it and you're braver than me especially since you watched the dang thing twice
2: well i do have a healthy amount of self-hate so
1: (laughs) you said it i didn't that's a i just want to do a good job sir I understand I understand so I think we've got all the preliminaries out of the way so if you're ready I think we can jump into well actually one more thing before we proceed a little shout out to my friend Ben Avery of Welcome to Level 7 and Strangers and Aliens among other podcasts I will be borrowing his quadrant format for, uh, to talk about this not the first time i've done it i've done it once on um, on monster island film vault to talk about the skull island anime air quotes up to the mic as luke jack and eddie would say so we'll be going over the show in terms of character style plot and theme so with that mr reiner let everybody know what's going on in this show
2: Common Rider Black Sun. Japan is in a crisis as normal humans try to coexist with kaijin, human-animal hybrids who appeared 50 years earlier. Aoi Izumi, a human rights activist, leads a movement to end kaijin discrimination, making her a target of Gorgum, a shady political party controlling Japan's government. She meets two former members of this secret society, Kotaro Minami and Nobuhiwa Akazuki, who are grasshopper kaijin created to serve their leader, the monstrous creation king. Now Aoi finds herself caught in the middle of a power struggle as these two common writers with clashing ideals battled for control of Gorgum, Japan, and the soul of the people. It sounds more epic than it actually is.
3: <laughs> oh, hot take, hot take.
1: <laughs> I, I kind of like it. Yeah, I, I will admit, as, as the person who has seen this show most recently, I'm going to be leaning into your notes because... I was going through one of those phases where I decided to take notes by hand instead of on the computer while I was watching this. And for the life of me, I have not been able to find that notebook where I wrote all this stuff down. <laughs> <sighs> I, I have no idea what happened. No idea whatsoever. So, So really quickly, since I have already given my thoughts on the first three episodes on Giant Size Violence, which I will include a link to that episode in the show notes, in case anyone wants to go back and listen to that. I thought it was a very worthwhile discussion. So, what were your quick thoughts on the first three episodes?
2: A lot of setup, very slow pacing. I enjoyed Owie a lot. I had mixed feelings on it because it was the political theming of it. He mixes so much between the American what was going on in America and Japan? It was obviously that he was aiming it for two audiences. That sometimes it was hard to differentiate between when he was talking about Japan and when he was talking about America, sometimes. But overall, it, it was the first three episodes were a good setup. I think it starts going downhill
1: after that. Hmm, that's interesting. I know that when. Tommy and I covered it. We had originally thought about doing the first two episodes since we did the first two episodes of the original black. And by the way, since that episode on giant size violence, I have watched all of the original common writer black. So I do have a reference now for what the black Sun copies, because in case you don't know, black Sun is a quote unquote remake of the original black, which is. Considered one of the most popular and probably top tier common writer shows, from back in the mid to late eighties, only one to get a sequel, which was, as I said, Black RX, which was famously made into Saban's Master Rider. <laughs> what the furbus Anyway, <laughs> so some quick background there. I will, I will say, as a this is a ten episode streaming series on Amazon Prime. And I do think those first three episodes... The reason we went with three is because not a lot happens in the first two episodes. And then you get to episode three and stuff finally happens. And and so it's got the typical streaming series, I would say, pacing issues, where those early episodes are pretty slow.
2: Yeah. There are streaming shows that have handled it a lot better. Mm -hmm. This is not one of them. This has the game of thrones pacing issues on a whole other level because at at least with (laughs) game of thrones you had a sense of the time passing and i'll get into a little bit later but there were parts of this where you would see one thing happening that could only be happening in minutes and then something else be happening simultaneously that had to take hours at the same time and that will get mentioned later in the awards
1: oh i'm i'm sure it will i'm sure it will but Anyway, I, I think unless you have anything else to say about those first few episodes, I think we can jump right in with the quote unquote quadrants.
2: <laughs> Sounds good to me. There's not, there's really not a whole lot to talk about in the first three episodes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So let's start with, let's start with, since we've already kind of been hinting at it, let's start with plot. So, plot. So we've mentioned before how the first three are kind of, are kind of slow. I would say the show really doesn't start to pick up some momentum. I would say probably not until about episode five.
2: Well, I would say it starts to pick up some momentum. Actually picks up quite a bit of momentum in four, because that's where we finally meet Ali's parents. Mm -hmm. And well, no, we meet them in three and four is whenever she gets to meet up with her dad.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Who then gets turned into a kaijin.
2: Yes. I have so many issues with episode four. But <laughs> the, the, the biggest one is they built so long building Aoi up to be this strong, intelligent young girl. And then she is incredibly stupid this whole episode.
1: <laughs> well, save it for the character section. I think for me where it starts to pick up is when we finally get to see Kotaro. Yeah, it's Kotaro. Yes. Yeah. We finally get to see Kotaro become the writer or, or at the very least, uh, it's not that he becomes the writer. It's more like he, it's, it's like he becomes actual black sun and not that kind of weird middle ground transformation that we saw in the first couple of episodes.
2: I think that's one of the things that's going to actually deter traditional Kamen Rider fans because Kamen Rider actually not de- depicted as being that special it's just a more a pa- more powerful up kaijin.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: A little bit later on, they do mention cyborgs a little bit, but that doesn't play the role in it that it normally does. Mm-hmm. They're just super powerful kaijin. Mm-hmm. Belts never get explained.
1: No, they don't.
2: I, at first, I thought it was because well, they had the kingstones inside. Of it. No, wait a minute. Every kaijin has a stone inside. And then later, spoiler warning: Aoi becomes a Common Rider,
1: except she's a mantis.
2: Yes, yeah, Common Rider mantis. You can name the show Common Rider Alley at this point, because <laughs> it's more about her than it is about Kotaro or Nobuhiko. Everything revolves around her and the Creation King.
1: Yeah, now the Creation King is from the original Black Nobuhiko and Kotaro are both from the original Black their relationship is a bit is a little different in this but we'll get into that in the character section but like i said it starts to pick up steam at that point and then you some of the story beats though even though it, the pacing picks up they do start to get a little they get a little frustrating for me personally
2: it's a political thriller meets house of cards game of thrones type betrayal with Common Rider does spread on top that honestly gets in the way of the story that he's actually trying to tell.
1: Well, as I mentioned in the previous episode on Giant Size Violence, the director of this, let me double check to make sure I get the name right, the Kazuya Shiraishi. This was the first time he had ever directed Tokusatsu. Before that he cut his teeth doing dramas.
2: And I know the special effects director had worked on
0: uh, Oh, Shinji
2: Yes, had worked on Common Rider before. So it's almost like the director handled the drama part and the special effects director handled the Common Rider part. Of course, because he's just the effects director, the director gets to decide what stays mm-hmm. and what goes.
1: That's actually very common. And no pun intended. And <laughs> Shinji Yaguchi has a long history with Tokusatsu. This is the guy who, you know, he got his start at Toho working on some early uh, like uh, some early Heisei Godzilla films and then he went over to Karakawa and worked on the effects for the Heisei Gamera trilogy he was the co-director of Shin Godzilla he worked with Hideaki Anno on the Genesis Evangelion he has a long rap sheet he directed Shin Ultraman so he but he didn't work on Shin Kamen Rider because he was working on this show if i remember correct go here.
2: yeah it shows a little bit i will say this the effects and the tokusatsu in this is design choices aside as far as quality for the most part is outstanding there's only mm-hmm. one that i have any real problem with
1: we mm-hmm. we'll get we'll get to that when we get to style right now i want to i want to focus continue to focus on the plot here cuz things start to Predictably, ramp up. I, I, there were a couple of things that I predicted when I did the episode with Tommy that ended up basically coming true. One was because I was feeling familiar enough at the time with the original Black to know that Nobuhiko is going to become basically become the villain. I said he's going to in this show he'll turn into Magneto, where he's going to be this guy who's gonna, I expected he would take over Gorgum and basically say become this zealot who decides that Kaijin, he becomes a Kaijin supremacist and says we should rule the humans or we should wipe out the humans, which is exactly what happened. And the other thing weirdly enough that I called was that I said, it would be interesting if Aoi, who is this Kaijin rights activist became a Kaijin herself. So now suddenly she's part of the group that she's advocating for. And that is what happens. And then things take some very interesting turns after that with her, which we'll get into more with the, with the character section. But you know, the plot piece that we get after that is, you know, we basically see the rise of Nobuhiko as the new creation king, but it's not him who kills the creation king. It was actually Kotaro. Yes. And that's around, I think like episode seven, eight, somewhere yeah. around there.
2: Yeah. He, he kills the creation king. They will- What's really interesting is then you get the – he kills the creation king. He kills his shell removes the heart. Then you get the creation king, spoiler warning, that you see in Kamen Rider Black. Yeah. The heart. The yeah, where – it... And it's still beating. Mm-hmm. So he hasn't done it yet. Mm-hmm. So, spoiler warning, Kotaro ends up becoming the creation
1: king. By the end.
2: Yes. Yeah. And Nobuhiko
1: – Declared himself the creation king. Yes,
2: but he was not actually the creation king. Mm -hmm. He just received a. He becomes a common rider much later than Kotoro does Mm -hmm. in the show and in the timeline. Then he receives a power up because he just he's a. I guess he's a quicker study. He embraces it faster, and then it doesn't take until Kotoro dies and is brought back, and he gets that RX symbol
3: Mm -hmm.
2: that he's that he gets his second power-up, so it's... In this one, RX is Common Rider, Super Saiyan 2. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, the, the, you got your base level, then you've got Super Saiyan 1, Common Rider, then Super Saiyan 2, Common Rider, with, mm-hmm. with each of them. So there's that play into it. The storytelling is good. It, it follows a consistent plot, and you're actually able to keep up with what's going on in the past and present, and how it all connects. So that part is good. My issues with the plot is they never... Any chance for child violence they're obviously going to take, and I don't know if it's for shock value or to try to – for emotional resonance, but you just become numb to it. But you become numb to it. I mean by the third child surgery and by the second time you see her friend get murdered, you're like – Again. Yeah, but I did notice that they did use a lot of Christian symbology because on all the graves of important people, there's Christian crosses, Mm -hmm. and – whenever he was killed the last time, he was hung up like he'd been crucified.
3: Uh,
1: yeah, which that happened a lot in the original *Common Rider.
2: Yeah, so... It's Crucifixions
1: were very popular in 70s Tokusatsu.
2: Yes, and very popular in this show. Well, yeah. cruci- crucifix and crosses.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the previous episode, I, t- I talked about, with Tommy, actually, about the *Common Rider manga, which famously... at least in my opinion features the original common writer stabbing man bat with a cross-shaped tombstone yes i read that (laughs) i I was not ready for that it's one of the most metal things i've seen in a a manga
2: (laughs) i wasn't ready for the nose
1: (laughs) yeah 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 That was an artistic choice, but so, so you have, I will say, I'll I'll say more about how the flashbacks are handled in the style section because my issue with it from the first three episodes continued in these last ones. I will say this, the back half of this show starts following the original black more closely in terms of the plotting, because once Nobuhiko embraces being shadow moon it you know it's like i said it's more like the original show in that regard where he becomes the new leader of Gorgum and tries to carry out his his agenda while facing resistance from kotaro and then spoiler warning kotaro dies trying to do that and then he's found by whale kaijin who does some weird pseudo mystical something something or rather to bring him back from the dead and then our hero goes off to triumphantly fight the villain the ending is you get to the last half of the final episode and it diverges drastically from the original show but I would say in terms of plotting and character beats Aoi is the one that takes the the craziest turns it makes sense within the confines of the show. And we mentioned that her friend, the, the bird Kaijin, he gets killed again. I was like, do you really have to murder this poor character twice, guys? Really?
2: Yeah, it, it was a bit much. We'll talk about this when we get in the characters, but Nobihiko, Kotaro, and Aoi have, are like this triangle where Kotaro more indifferent in a lot of ways. He's more, he's kind of outside of it. Even when he's fighting, he's he has his reasons for doing it, but he still he feels like a little bit of the outsider. Mm-hmm. Noble Hiko is obviously can, becomes, he's more emotionally invested. Aoi, she actually, despite everything that happens to her, never changes her principle. She changes her methods, but she never changes her principle and what she's fighting for. She just mm-hmm. realizes that she's just going to have to do it in different ways.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So she's the constant.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Noble Hiko and Aoi go through so much in this. And mm-hmm. even Cold does a lot, but his is more to himself mm-hmm. because he's divorced from himself. He doesn't have the attachments that Nobuhiku and Aoi do in a lot of ways because Nobuhiku, he's the one who recruits these kaijin, and then when they get killed, he takes it very personally. Mm-hmm. Aoi, she loves everybody. She loves humans. She loves kaijin, and she all this violence is just destroying her. She loses her adoptive mom. She loses her parents. She loses her best friend. She loses you know, She has to deal with just so much You know loss mm-hmm. after loss after loss. But she's able to ma- not maintain, fa- deviate from her beliefs, whereas Nobuhiku failed in that regard. And so did Kotaro because he gave up on believing in anything. Yep. Really, even at the end, he doesn't really believe in anything. He's just trying to do, fight for Aoi and what he believes is right.
1: Right, which we'll unpack that a little bit more in the character section, but I can tell you that this Kotaro, this version of Kotaro, is different from the original in some pretty key aspects.
2: Yeah, I think in the original he had an H in his name.
1: I don't remember. I'd have to look that up, but that's I, I thinking, that's a material.
2: I know, but I'm just saying, so he, you know, so yeah, he's different. I've seen a little bit of Black. I remember Kotaro being a little bit more animated, this, a little, bit more, yeah. a little bit more of a, I would say, a traditional hero, anti-hero type.
1: Mm-hmm. Not nearly the nihilist that this Kotaro becomes. Actually, they argue we could be made the whole show is basically like that.
2: Even Owie is a happy nihilist at the end. Uh, yeah.
1: Happy might be pushing it a little bit, but... Well, we're... a nihilist
2: at peace, maybe.
1: Maybe? I don't know, you know, but...
2: That ending scene... With the kids creating pipe bombs. That okay. But save
1: that. Save that for later, but we will get into that because the, I have I have issues with the ending. <laughs> I do too. I do have issues with the ending, but I think that's better saved for the theme section because my goodness, I have yeah, I have issues with the ending. Yeah. But like I said, the back half is more like the original black. I do feel like Especially with the constant switching back and forth between present and past as it goes on, it does start to get a little convoluted actually it was a bit convoluted once the flashbacks really started kicking in and I felt like it that continued. but again, we'll unpack that a little bit more in this in the style section, I think.
2: I think the most interesting part though was the political thriller part
1: mm-hmm. That's what it makes this most different from the original Black. There were episodes of the original Black that were politically focused, but this whole show is political. This is easily and I think I said this on Giant Size Violence. This is the most political <laughs> tokusatsu I have ever seen. And that's including Shin Godzilla. Well, I enjoyed the
2: political stuff of it quite a bit. It feels like um and I'm talking about trying to talk the plot here feels kind of like a uh Stew where the ingredients just don't seem to mix together like they should. I mean, it turns out okay, but Mm -hmm. there's a lot of stuff that just clash with one another, Mm -hmm. and it prevents. While each thing, each ingredient tastes good, they just don't mix like what they should. You don't get the optimal, right?
1: Right? Yeah. That yeah. Some things just don't mix together. You know? Yeah. (laughs) Or or if you are gonna mix them, you got to mix them right. (laughs) Yes. But in their defense, this is the
2: first time it had been done like this, so. If yeah,
1: they can. If people
2: can learn from their mistakes and make a better one in the future.
1: Yeah, in light of that, I think we've unpacked the plot enough. Do you want to go to characters or to style next? Because I want to, like I said, I want to save theme for last.
2: Let's let's do style because I think style. theme and characters are going to kind of merge together. A bit. They,
1: yeah, I think so. So, style with this, you mentioned. I thought, which I think is an interesting comparison, Christopher Nolan and christopher nolan is known for in basically not in his entire filmography but in a lot of his filmography he likes playing around with structure and time yes memento famously you saw everything in reverse the the order of events was in reverse and then it actually ends at the beginning and there's a twist a plot twist which is kind of the brilliance of it and then you know you get to some you know to some other ones that do some similar things. I'm trying to think of. Bama begins does it a little bit with the with the with all the flashbacks, but that's still a little bit more linear by comparison. Or if you've seen Oppenheimer recently, that is very non-linear and it's jumping around quite a bit, usually between I think about three different years. It's primarily focused on two, but it bounces around between different ones, but they're all themat. The structure is thematic as opposed to chronological.
2: If I was to compare this one to a Nolan film, I would say this one fits most nicely in with the prestige as far as the way they threw prestige, in the flashbacks. Yeah. yeah. Cause once you got the pacing of it, you knew when you were in the past and mm-hmm. not but at first, you're like, wait, what's going on. I think honestly, if cultural hadn't been played by two different actors, it would have made it a lot harder because nobody gets played by the same actor in the past and present.
1: Yeah. Yeah, one of the things that frustrated me a little bit, and I wasn't sure if it was just because I wasn't paying enough attention or if it was the language barrier because this is subtitled. And when something is subtitled, you have to dedicate a little bit more attention to the dialogue because it's all subtitled. So sometimes some details can slip through as opposed to watching it in a language that you understand. So I don't know if I just missed something, but, the, but switching between the past and the present I wasn't always able to keep up with it I would usually catch on within about I say about 30 seconds or so like oh okay we went back to the 70s I kind of, I wish and I said this on giant size violence as well that they had demarked those a little bit more as opposed to just assuming that you'll be able to tell by the fashions or the hairstyles or the the different actors as you mentioned you know the younger actors you know, you tell that way.
2: What was a trigger for me? As I realized in the past, in well, the 1970s they used more fall-based colors,
1: mm-hmm. and in
2: the present, and in 2002. Now, when they were doing 2002, that one threw me off because they used winter colors for both.
1: Yeah, but I think they only did that once. Thank God,
2: because that would yeah. if, I, if they had done that a lot with it, because done that a lot, you like, okay, I don't know where I'm at, what's going on. This is this is not fun anymore.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like I said, it gets a little bit convoluted. And you're talking to someone who is a big Nolan fan. I've seen all of his movies. I've learned to keep up with that because Nolan, as my friend Jack Hudgens, G Man, said on a Kaiju Conversation live stream recently, Nolan trusts his audience almost to a fault.
2: <laughs> but Nolan also knows how to pace his movie so that you're not. Right. Where. And- They were not pacing this right for what they were trying to do. Right. Honestly,
1: there are times I wonder if maybe this could have been streamlined to maybe, I don't know, seven or eight episodes.
2: I'll be honest with you. If he had chosen to almost do this like memento where you start at the end and then work your way back to the beginning and not do the flashbacks necessarily, just literally you do everything in reverse. I think that would have a better stylistic choice for the story he was telling. Mm Mm-hmm. Because the way that he did it and certain things he would drop in the past, it would give away what's about to happen in the present, mm-hmm. which takes away some of the fun of it, takes away the emotional weight and mm-hmm. half. So I think going in reverse, if you're going to do try to copy Nolan, Memento would have been a better choice, but my recommendation would have been start in 1972, go to 2022. If you wanted to do a little bit of jumping around, you could start with Ali giving her speech and quoting Oliver Johnson, and then go back to 1972 with Oliver Johnson saying that to Abel kotro mm. and then it gets linear from there.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. I don't know. I, I, I see. I see what they were. I see what the director was trying to do. I think it was a Nolan effort where he's trying to connect the past and the present thematically, and there is some mystery set up. Which goes back to a bit on plotting as well, where we see the the basically nearly comatose creation king, and yes. they talk about how you know, something's happened and then they start thinking, Well, maybe we need to have a new creation king and things like that. And then you they go you see the creation king later on in the seventies and you see what happened to put him in that state. You know, so there's some payoff with that, but it's Still a little
2: odd. It it is a little odd, and this might go back to storytelling a little bit. But there's a lot of things that they leave to the audience a little bit too much that I think needs some explaining. Like, do they become more feral the more powerful that they get? Because I'm trying to figure out why Kotaro, who is common writer Black Sun RX, I'm gonna just call him RX in the second mode. <laughs> RX Black Sun RX. He can move around. He has he's all this power, and yet he's not able to get out of the way the most telegraphed arm raising ever and loses his leg well no he's just come out of black at that point but black sound at that point but i'm like he's moving so slow and you're a grasshopper jump off <laughs> that almost sounded like a euphemism he's like it, it's he sit, he's there and he's biting the neck which by the way that happens in every single fight yes every single fight they crawl around on the ground they took the bug theme way too seriously on this. A lot of crawling around, jumping, a few hits, and a lot of fighting.
1: Yeah, I, I'm yeah. not.
2: I'm not a fan of cannibalism, whether it's between bugs or humans. And you're, now you're mixing both. Stop.
1: <laughs> Double cannibalism. One star. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I, I well, and I guess we can. That's part of that's part of style here as well. which is you know, which is the the fight scenes and the special effects. And I will say this is definitely going for that that gritty, primal, kind of ultra-violent style of action in this. It's not the most exciting. If you're used to the more classic style of fight scenes that we see in the original Black, where it's pretty wild and there's lots of acrobatics and martial arts and things like that, don't expect that in this it is it's very dirty <laughs> in this
2: yes dirty dirty common rider
1: <laughs> dirty dirty common rider like I, I at first i was like okay
2: this is different i kind of like this down and dirty style but then i noticed that it all of Kotaro's fights were the same everybody else was getting better fights later on cuz like kujira the whale kaijin he had some really good fight scenes Nobuhiku gets good fight scenes, especially with a uh, Bisham. I like that. Mm. Whenever I like that fight a lot. I did not like the body horror horror in this. It, the ripping—you having to rip off your own appendage to create weapons. I'm like, why? I,
1: I I will admit that was actually an interesting idea, but I also realized unless those legs grow back, which apparently they do at a insane rate. Yeah, I don't,
2: yeah,
1: which, the yeah, but I, I will admit that was an interesting idea. And in defense of the body horror, there's been an element of body horror to Kamen Rider basically from the start. In fact, Shotaro Shinomori, the creator of Kamen Rider in his comics, would actually go farther with it. And had always tried to push the show into going farther into it. The monstrosities vlog has been working on a documentary multi-part documentary part one as far as i know, is the only one that's up currently on an unmade project for Common rider that he spent years trying to get made called Common rider gaia and a version of it like elements of it would always get peppered into different things over the course of ishinomori's life including the original black and most famously shin kamen rider prologue which is like like David, common writer of uh, by David Cronenberg. That's full tilt body horror in it. So all that to say, it's technically part of the writer shtick. Oh, it's only really the more modern stuff that's been really getting away from that, except this, obviously.
2: Well, it's a call out to your other show, Power Trip with Michael Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Power Rangers Time Force did the did exactly what Black Sun did, but better with Rancic because there's mm-hmm. a lot of body horror there, but it didn't make you want to go throw up after you watched it. Yeah. there That's the difference. And even in the older – and you were like, ooh, that's intense, but you didn't feel like, okay, I cannot eat while I watch this show.
1: Yeah, I, that was – eventually I had to make myself do that. There – I will – I'm not ashamed to admit that there were – multiple moments where I cringed very hard and in one case I looked away right before it got crazy and I've been told that you can go find some of these clips online but because the, you know, there there are parts where characters are doing like you know ripping off limbs or they get massively injured there's Kotaro gets like you mentioned gets his arm cut off at one point and you know they ripping off. Their grasshopper appendages to make weapons. There's a scene where a prisoner of Gorgum bites off his own tongue because he's told to do it to prove his loyalty, basically. That was a little much for me. But the, the scene where, in a rare instance, I actually looked away was when Nobohiko crushes that one anti-kaijin protester's head. Now, admittedly, the guy murdered the bird kaijin... Well, which was the second time the poor bird guy Kaijun got killed, and they did it by lynching him again, theme discussion
2: that was well, taken straight from Game of Thrones, um, yeah, Mountain crushes um the guy who plays Mando, that actor, he crushes his head mm-hmm. in a very similar way. And I knew what was coming. I'm like, well, I've already seen this once. I don't have to do it again,
1: yeah. and i've i've had I've been told that it looked like a watermelon being crushed because I looked away just before it happened. And then, I, I looked back and I just seen Nobuhiko in his rider form, his shadow moon form, just covered in blood. I'm like, oh, okay, he did it. <sighs> this is the moment. This is when he turns. This is when he basically becomes the Kaijin Magneto. Yes.
2: They did it in a way, so it makes you feel like you're ruining. They try to do it in a way, I guess, because the person that he did it against, that you wouldn't immediately turn against Nobuhiko. Would make you try to understand
3: mm-hmm.
2: why he did it. But then you have Allie on the other side who, despite seeing all that, she doesn't well up and we'll get to this later. She doesn't try to give in to that level of hatred and violence.
1: She tries.
2: Yeah. Um, she tries,
1: which, and this is a style thing. I compare Nobuhiko to Magneto, which I think is a very apt comparison. Here's the, one of the main issues I have with the show. We don't really have a professor X. In this. People might argue that Owie's the closest, but even Owie is not quite a Professor X to me. She was until the last couple of episodes, I would say. If if you
2: read modern X Men comics, and we'll talk about this more when she gets to the character, but she is very much like Professor X, up until actually Professor X goes way worse. And towards the end she's more like Cyclops.
1: Oh, oh great. I, I always get worried when people have to compare something to modern X Men because modern X Men is a mess.
2: <laughs> well, it's fitting for the show.
1: Yeah, it is pretty fitting. But I will say, I'm not opposed to having a villain like Magneto. You know, he's the zealot. That's Magneto's villain archetype. He's the zealot. He's the guy who does the right, th- who does the wrong things for the right reasons. Magneto is trying to help his people who are being oppressed.
2: Well, Volgenia was actually his mirror image because Volgenia yeah. starts out he's hardcore. He's pretty much what, what Shadow ends up, and then by the end, he becomes what Nobuhiku originally was. Mm-hmm. And I now that is one thing I did like stylistically, how they had him die on his feet protecting Owie. Mm-hmm. And Actually, robbing her of the chance to take his life. So, in a way, he's not only protecting life, he's protecting her innocence still at that point. Mm-hmm. I re- that stylistically, I love the way they ended him.
1: Mm hmm. Bill, Bill Genia, Bill Henia, Bill Ginny, I've, uh, I've seen it or Birrenia, uh, Bir Henny. I'm not entirely sure how to say his name. I've seen it spelled different ways, pronounced different ways. Depends on how. Close. You want to stick to the Japanese.
2: I'm going with a the show. They would yell, Belginia
1: Belginia but he is a character from the original Black. This one is really different from the original. I don't know yeah. if you've gotten far enough into the original Black to know that. I haven't. Okay. Now there, d- when he goes full tail kaijin, when he fights to protect Aoi, he does look similar to his to the original version, but in the original. The the original Bill was not entirely loyal to well, I would say the Gorgum leadership. He was plotting to take over at some point. And for a brief time he did manage to do it, but then Shadow Moon finally woke up after incubating for like 30 episodes <laughs> and killed him to take over. Spoiler warning.
2: Well, in this one, in a similar way, Belgenia did look to take over, but when it came down to him or whenever they approached him in Shadow Moon in the cell, he wanted his freedom back enough that he submitted to the nuke, to the Gorgon he was fighting against. He mm-hmm. compromised himself,
3: mm-hmm.
2: whereas it took Nobuhiko much later mm-hmm. to compromise
1: mm-hmm. himself. Which is one of the things that also, and I brought this up in the Giant Size Violence episode as well, Gorgum is a bit different in this. Now, I found out after episode three that they aren't quite as different as I thought they were because in the original Black, they're more like, at least, what, a conspiracy theorist, how they perceive the Freemasons as this weird secret society that as some cultic that's kind of cultic and they're basically plotting to take over the world of course at some point and the the creation king is their mysterious leader who turns out to be a giant disembodied heart because why not in this they are technically still a secret society who practically worships the creation king But their methods are really different. Now they're trying to pass themselves off as this legitimate political party in Japan. And if you know anything about Japanese politics, they are a multi-party state. Now, the thing is, is that their government is typically controlled by one party. It's only on rare occasions where it's the LDP, the Liberal Democratic Party. It's only been on rare occasions where the LDP has not been in control since World War II. And I've heard some people in some other podcasts say that they think Gorgum in this is modeled after the LDP. And, I mean, there's some... I I mean, I'll give the show credit for not backing down from this plot point because the Prime Minister in this, who, again, I have heard people argue is modeled after Shinzo Abe bit of a controversial prime minister even though he's been elected multiple times well not long before the show well so i should say some months so probably while the show is still in production abe who was no longer prime minister was assassinated and the Gorgum guy the Gorgon prime minister gets assassinated at a, one point in this show in the most humiliating degrading way possible yes and It's presented as a positive.
0: Uh,
1: hmm. Like I said, I give him credit for not backing down from that.
2: But But still, political allegiance known in this one that he was not a fan of the LDP's agenda.
1: Yeah, 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 and I've also heard because there's some kind of weird cults that have popped up in japan i'd have to go through either listen to that podcast episode again or do some digging on it but i know that there have been some very bizarre kind of cults some of them doomsday cults the one famously i, I can't remember the name off the top of my head this was something that i came across while doing research on some of the other podcasts but they've actually performed terrorist attacks like in the 90s they did a sarin gas attack in a japanese subway which killed dozens of people
2: which will play into the ending which we'll talk about later
1: yeah which we will talk about later but something else that i do want to mention because this was not brought up on the giant size violence episode because this had not been revealed yet and and i think it relates a you could probably go back to plotting as well but i think it relates to style as well we find out that i've been making a lot of x-men comparisons But there's one point where this diverges pretty hard from X-Men. Because in X-Men, mutants are naturally occurring. The theory is that they are the next step in human evolution. We find out that Kaijin, even though they say early on, it's like Kaijin have only been showing up for like 50 years. Well, there's a reason for that. They were created. They are not naturally occurring. They are not mutants like X-Men. They're more like the Inhumans. A little bit more like the Inhumans, but to continue, the political theming in this, they are a product of Imperial Japanese genetic engineering from World War II, which is a thing. I have zero doubt that it was inspired by Unit 731 from World War II. Have you heard of Unit 731?
2: Yes, you've mentioned it before, good sir.
1: Yeah, and just really quick for those who don't know, Unit 731 was was a division in the Imperial Japanese military who conducted experiments for biological and chemical warfare and they would use POWs to do it and just reading the clinical descriptions of the atrocities that they committed is difficult. I, I will not give details because I don't want people I want if people are eating while listening to this podcast, I don't want them I want them to keep their food down. but basically they did horrendous horrendous things and they did it to POWs. They were shut down when Japan was defeated, but a little bit of controversy and again, I won't unpack all of it because that would take a little while. The Americans did shut them down, but they also kept the data that they had collected. Through their experimentations
2: Uh, of course they did yeah people wonder why we don't trust government
1: yeah so i think because we do get flashbacks all the way back to world war ii to explain to us yeah this is where kaijin came from so they they are not naturally occurring which i do think adds a it adds a wrinkle To this, which I think, again, we'll unpack when we get to the theme section.
2: Well, now there's a little bit of confusion about that. Now, the original Kaijin were not naturally occurring, but the boy that gets killed, he was naturally produced from a Kaijin and a human. His father was human.
1: Yeah, actually, yeah. Which is the other thing we find out that there are way some people are born Kaijin, and then you can also turn a human into a Kaijin by making them eat Heat Heaven, which is full tilt soylent, green.
2: (laughs) Yes. Which also, both of those elements does connect back to X-Men. particularly. Oh, really?
3: Modern.
2: Yes. Because they did make, if you remember in the X-Men, first X-Men movie, they did turn a human into a mutant. He true. died. All
1: right. Yes, now, Senator, Ken- uh, Senator Kelly. I almost have, said Kennedy. No, it's Kelly.
2: They have tied mutants to inhumans in the modern X-Men. Mutants are the descendants of the first inhumans created. Mm-hmm. When they made it with humans, so mutants are technically inhuman in human hybrids.
1: Thanks, Marvel.
2: <laughs> yeah, at least in, of course, Marvel has like fifty timelines. At least in one timeline, so it's not as divorced from X Men as you think.
1: That's still weird, but yeah, and th- like I said, and then you have the whole Heat Heaven thing. And Cotoro, to his credit, refuses to partake of Heat Heaven because it can. We find out that Heat Heaven can heal kaijin, or even, if you do it quick enough, if I remember correctly, you can bring a dead kaijin back to life, but it can also turn humans, regular humans, into kaijin. Problem is that it's manufactured in part using human flesh. So that's where the moral conundrum comes in. Like I said, Soylent Green, if you've seen that movie from the 70s.
2: You and I all know to remember it's not a thing anymore. But the issues around stem cell research. Yeah. Same oh, thing. It
1: still comes up sometimes. But
2: one of the things is they, you read articles pop up every once in a while that they might be able to use stem cells to revive dead human cells. Mm-hmm. So, Heat Heaven has connections to stem cell research.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I see some connections, and I do think that's interesting thematically. And it does make you wonder if, you know, if the characters start making compromises toward the end. Eh, but, you know, we'll get into that. Some characters, if I remember correctly, I think some of the characters are actually forced to take it because that's what happened to Aoi, right? She was forced to take it, and that's why she became a kaijin?
2: No, she. they cut her open and put a stone in her. Like That's they right. They, no, put a, they cut her open and put a stone it. in her.
1: This, By the way, the kingstones is a thing in the original black as well. Yes, but I can see maybe
2: as someone who's watched black, you can help me understand this. Why is it that only Aoi... Well, I first understood the reason why only Nobuhiku and Kotaro could transform into common Rider. But she wasn't given a kingstone, and yet she could become a common Rider.
1: I think the idea in this is just that Kaijin can appear human, and then they can transform into, if you want to call it this, their monstrous form? Because they all do it. Yes. It's just people have just gotten into the habit of calling Aoi... When she turns into a mantis, calling her a "quote unquote" common rider. Well, oh, no, she does. She henshins at the end. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She does the pose.
2: She, and a belt appears.
1: And a belt appears. Okay. I I don't understand the belt thing.
2: I I don't either because Kotoro and Kotro has one whether he's transformed into he has one as soon as he transforms into a common rider or into a Kaja. Then whenever he goes into common rider mode one. It gets the redstone, and then when he goes in mode two, he gets the RX symbol.
1: Yeah, I I don't know what's going on with that. It's almost like the belts are there because it's a common writer show, and they have to be there.
2: The, this is my the, well. We could talk about pacing a little bit because it's a style choice. He spends so much time, and sometimes things move slow, slow that he could have maybe condensed some of that and maybe explained more about the Kajin the Kajin side and the common writer side. And Owie would be a perfect way to do that towards the end. It's like, okay, why am I so different? Why are we able to go to this next level? And they can Mm -hmm. say, well, because Buzz was the Kingstones. Maybe she was because she carried a Kingstone all her life. Mm.
1: Maybe that's the implication.
2: But I, I understand what this director's trying to do, and Nolan's a good guy to implicate. But only Nolan can do Nolan. Yeah, and one gives you enough context clues, as, while he doesn't like beat you over the head with it. He gives you context clues throughout. You don't get those context clues here.
1: Yeah, yeah. The only thing I can think of is that yeah, it's probably supposed to be the Kingstones because so they're supposed to be "quote unquote" special. Yeah, but it is still, it's still a little bit odd. It's a little bit frustrating.
2: And and, and that's another thing too. They say that you have to. Eating Heat Heaven will do it, but then they also say every kaijin has a stone inside them. But you don't see Sean get operated on.
1: Yeah, and Sean is... I think we'll have to unpack Sean and characters and theme, but Sean ends up being kind of weird because he's a human who wants to be a kaijin, like it's the cool thing to do. Even though they
2: beat his father to death in front of him.
1: Right. I. I it's just... I don't know. It. Like I said, it, and that contributes to the to the honestly unsatisfying ending,
2: and the, honestly, a lot of this is stylistic choices.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I'm not against body horror in general, but he goes so far it takes away from what he's actually trying to do, mm-hmm. and he goes leads so far into the political thriller, which is why he knows he leaves so many questions about the reason why people actually came to the show. Mm-hmm. The reason why Logan worked the way that it did,
1: the movie,
2: the movie Logan, the reason why it worked the way it did. It's because we had 20 years to get to no logan mm-hmm. people here don't know common rider they just think it's a japanese superhero and they think it's this this would actually hurt the cause of spreading common rider to american audiences
1: well let me ask you this then i think this is as good a point as any to bring this up because this is meant to be a standalone do you think people can go into black sun with no common writer knowledge and st- for lack of a better word, enjoy it.
2: I have very little common writer knowledge. I've told you this before. I've started with Power Rangers. My journey through tokusatsu started with Power Rangers, just mm-hmm. most Americans, and then I got into more tokusatsu and kaiju and kaijin with Godzilla and King mm-hmm. Kong. Yes, Elijah, Kong is a Kai- <laughs> kaiju.
1: Well, the Toho Kong is, but anyway, <laughs> according no, to him, all
2: Kong it means
1: giant monster.
0: You're wrong. <laughs> Uh, well, but, let's
1: let's leave that rant pedantic rant master out <laughs> but
2: where, i forgot where i was going with this but oh you, i was saying to, you were talking yeah, about you know did, your journey through OG, when, yeah common Rider. i watched some of the original series mm-hmm. and some of black mm-hmm. i almost know nothing about it to me me not knowing actually Detracts me more because I'm trying to like, what is that? Why? Explain these transformations to me. Say what you will about Dragon Ball. They explain their transformations, what they are and why they're doing them. If you're going to make changes like this, you can't just throw it at people. Especially if you're trying to introduce it to... Now, it was just for a pure Japanese audience. I could overlook it. But they're trying to get... They It was produced by Amazon. And they deliberately included... American political situations I can't breathe
1: yeah we'll, we'll get into that I, I have some I have some thoughts on that and also if I remember correctly they released the show on both sides of the Pacific on the same day there was this wasn't a case of it aired in Japan and then it got thrown oh. onto Amazon Prime for the rest of the world it was the same day it's not like Godzilla singular point where it aired on Japanese TV and then after it was done on Japanese TV, it drops on Netflix for the rest of the world.
2: Yes, no. This and be, this is the reason I'm bringing it up because it does play to the theme of this. If you're making it for two audiences, you have to explain to the audience that the only mass ex, mass exposure to Common Rider was that horrible masked Rider show in 1995 or six, whenever it was.
1: It was 95, if I remember correctly.
2: Yes, or at least it it debuted with season. Its debut was in season three of Power Rangers. So yeah, which you.
1: yeah, which would have been ninety five. Yes,
2: so quite. Uh, yes, quite. Haha. <laughs> but because they did not explain it, people who aren't fans of that genre already, at least in general, are going to shut it out. It's mm-hmm. too confusing. You know, they they like they may stick up with it uh, through because the, they explained the kaiju or kaijin part well enough but when you start throwing in the second transformation of common rider what's that why
3: mm-hmm. if you
2: don't answer the why people are going to tune out
3: mm-hmm.
2: because it's going to because the only thing they're going if it's like why is this happening why is this mm-hmm. happening
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know why is it such a big deal that he's black sun because the eclipse will so a shadow moon i
1: mean yeah yeah i <sighs> It is it is one of those things where I do think there are certain el- I I agree with you I do think there are certain elements in this that are either common writer tropes or they're callbacks to the original to the original Black almost as if they know people are expecting them. And given that I had I hadn't finished Black when I first watched Black Sun, I do think there were some things that I I do think there were some things I might have missed. I had enough knowledge of the original Black to follow along. We were like, "Oh yeah, that's what happens in the original show." But you know, and I've seen the and at that point, I had seen most of the original Common Writer, so I knew what the Common Writer tropes were. But yeah, perhaps it was not explained as well as it should have been.
2: Black Sun is overall made better than Shen Common Writer, but Shen Common movie. Ra- yes. Okay. I think overall it's made better. The new movie. Yes, the new one. Not okay. prologue, but the new one. I think overall it's a better product. However, I think Shen Kamen Rider, as far as people being able to latch on and understand what it is, does a better job for American audiences. Even though it's not the best movie, there's enough there that can get people interested, and it doesn't leave them as confused about what they're actually seeing.
1: I think I, I honestly I would I would more likely to return to Ano's Shin Kamen Rider than I am to this. Whether or not whether or not Shin Kamen Rider is better, I don't know if I would necessarily I, I agree with Rite you Run on that. I think has
2: the better story and is shot better and even paced better, which is not saying a lot.
1: Yeah, I have some issues with the Narrative and pacing of Shin Kamen Rider, go listen to episode 65 if you want to know more about that.
2: But I think, as far as being able to be understood by audiences outside of Japan, Shin Kamen Rider rants right. hands down.
1: I, I do think, I will agree with you, I do think it's more accessible.
2: Yes. And, and that's the thing. Whenever you're doing something like this, when you're doing a show that is meant that was actually promoted to both audiences as you need to see this. Mm hmm. You need to make it more accessible, and I think that's the reason why when you and Tommy went to go try to watch the first time, Amazon saw it, and they tried to bury it because you are like, uh-oh.
0: I
1: figured that that was – I thought that was just a simple error on their part, but that's an interesting theory that maybe Amazon's like, eh, I don't know. like We'll make our money back in Japan. This is not going to go over well. Although I I will admit, I think I've seen, at least me personally, I've heard there's been some backlash if you go to the right corners of the internet, but most of the reaction that I saw to it was positive. But I also think people might have been misunderstanding it a little bit, especially when it comes to the political stuff, which again, theme discussion.
2: Well, it got a seven point nine, and most people who watch this all the way through and probably good care enough to go rate it are people are already fans of the genre.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So 7.9 for people who are already fans of the genre is actually low on IMDb mm. because there are things that are worse than this that have gotten a higher rating because the fan base is trying to promote.
1: Yeah. There is a little bit of that too. And I think because of its politics, which despite acknowledgements of things, not acknowledgments, but despite the use of elements that are from Ameri- from American events, it is still very distinctly Japanese because that was something that I discovered when I did the episode with Tommy, which is that there is a still a pretty potent anti-foreigner sentiment amongst the Japanese population because you have to keep in mind Japan, ha- even with the last couple hundred years where they have been trying to westernize more they have still been a very largely homogenous culture and there are very potent contingents of the population who want to maintain that it's extremely difficult to immigrate to Japan compared to the United States contrary to what people may tell you it's actually fairly easy to Comparatively to immigrate to the United States than it is to Japan, they just don't like bringing in foreigners, which is part of why they're they're struggling with their population because their own people are not getting married and having children, so their population is decreasing. Which would actually be happening in the United States if not for immigration. Immigration is what is saving the United States currently in terms of population.
2: We'll have to talk about that more in theme.
1: Yeah, but for sure.
2: But that, that yeah. is something you actually called because you were talking about in the first three. And I gotta get my train of thought back here. Sorry, people. I work at night, so I lose my train of thought. Derail trains of thought. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha! Shout out to
1: my friends Nick and Tim.
2: Derail trains of Derail trains of thought comes easily to me. But you were talking about in the first one about the anti-Korean sentiment in Japan. Yeah. The girl at the very end that Ali recruits to her infinite black sun organization, <laughs> whatever it's called. Cause she has, it's instead of the infinity symbol, it's the RX symbol with a red dot at the end.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So it's half an infinity with the red dot on the flag, but she's a Korean girl. And instead of seeing all the anti-Kaijin movement, you're seeing the anti-immigrant movement, yeah. which we'll have to talk about. Yeah. The- it, which end. was
1: one of the moments where this, where this shows, where this show's themes are as subtle as a sledgehammer. <laughs>
2: oh.
1: the, yeah. it, it's, if here's the thing. Most of the time I would say being as subtle as a sledgehammer doesn't work. I could think of a few rare instances where it still does work. One of them being Godzilla versus Hedera or Godzilla versus the smog monster. Yeah, that hit, that is, like I said, is as subtle as a sledgehammer, but it's so weird in its presentation that you just, forgive it at least i do so because it, it was meant to be this protest film in a lot of ways but you know that's beside the point but you do bring up a good point uh, but you do bring up a good point about that
2: Oh, well, thank you sir
1: yeah yeah because it's drawing real life parallels at that point and it's making no secret of it but with that i think now is as good a time as any to start talking about the characters a little bit more, which should hopefully dovetail into theme here, because this is where we're going to have to spend the bulk of our conversation. I yes. think there's a lot to unpack with this show in terms of character and theme. So we, I mentioned that Kotaro in this is pretty different from the original Kotaro. One of the things that I was anticipating when I was watching the original Black, which did pan out. For the most part, when I finished, as I finished the show, was that I expected the original Cottaro to be a little bit broody, because the whole idea, and this is a, this is very common in common writer, no pun intended. Again, is that these heroes get their powers when they don't want them; it is forced upon them. They are victimized by the villains and made into what they are. Yes. And one of the things that I was find that I found interesting about the original black was that Kotaro. Yeah. It was a bit broody about it, but he was always doing what he could to be heroic with these powers that were forced upon him. He's like, I have to fight Gorgon, but make sure they don't do this to anyone else. And he was also fighting to save nobuhiko because they were for all intents and purposes brothers it's a really weird thing how that works out because they were born on the same day on an eclipse so it's a lot like what they're doing with black sun here but they were adopted by the same guy and basically raised as brothers in this one they're more like best friends they kind of drop that element of the brothers say so, to say what you want about that but Like I said, the original Kotaro was always trying to be the light in the darkness and always. But he was the light who's always fighting against the darkness because the darkness is always trying to snuff that light. It's a it's a very Marvel sort of storytelling method. And this one, he kind of gets there by the end of the show. Kind of. But it's more like I'm doing this for Owie more than anything else. I, I think
2: that what is, is a child soldier who lost his direction.
3: Mm-hmm. And he was
2: always looking for somebody to give him orders. Mm-hmm. If you remember, he didn't care. And I don't think towards the end, he, the only moral stance he ever t- took, I think it was because of um, Yuhiko. I think that's how you say her name. The girl in the 70s. Mm-hmm. And so, again, it was just adopted morality is he wouldn't eat heaven. But he always had to have that leader, whether it was Nobuhiku or Oliver. Mm
0: -hmm. Because
2: remember,
1: Oliver told them to be there. Mm. Oliver, for those who don't know, Oliver is a black man, which is interesting. Yes. which An English-speaking black man in 1970s Japan.
2: Yes. But also fluent in Japanese. Yeah. Which his blackness does play a part and mm-hmm. later on, which we'll talk about when we get to him, but he's always following somebody, whether it's Nobuhiko, Oliver, Yukari, I think that's her name, Yukari. Oh. And then later on Owie. I mean he even when you first see him, he go he's going to kill Aoi because he was given some ketamine and some money and told to go do it he's a drug
1: yeah that's the other thing that's different he's a drug addict
2: which i looked up ketamine interest it's an anesthetic used for pain that causes you to hallucinate <laughs> and it is addictive of course so that made me early on i was wondering if the flashbacks weren't his drug hallucinations induced, drug-induced hallucinations yes Wait back. a minute, wait
1: a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you
2: trying to say that they weren't real? No, no, no. Just because it's hallucination doesn't mean it really. it's real. He's hallucinating about what happened in the past. Because I've had medicine that caused me to hallucinate, and all of a sudden I was back to an earlier memory.
1: Ah, it was okay. like I was
2: there. Okay. So it's still a hallucination, even if it's a memory. Because okay. he's actually
1: experiencing it. In a I way. hadn't thought of that, actually.
2: but Because huh. I looked it up because I'm like, ketamine, what is that? So, Google brought it up, and I'm mm-hmm. like, "Okay, so we've got a drug addict."
1: Our drug, our, our our hero, ladies and gentlemen, the drug addict who lives in a bus.
2: He's not our hero. I'm sorry, kotros not our hero. I, I was
1: being a little sarcastic.
2: Yes, but who we think is supposed to be our hero? Mm-hmm. The hero of this this show should be called Common Rider Alley. Um
1: Yeah, it kind of or, becomes that Common Rider it,
2: Mantis. Common Rider, yeah. Rider girl
1: power. Common Rider girl power. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. yeah, so if you're used to the original Kotaru, this actually this kind of follows the same trend that a lot of Hollywood productions have been following as well, where the Gritty reboot turns the hero, the original character, the hero into somebody unlockable. If if, to say that, I was going to say kind of a, a nihilist
0: to a certain extent,
1: you know, not necessarily unlikable, but a far less heroic at points, nihilistic version of the character that may as well be a different character. And I will admit it's especially with the characters, particularly with Kotaro and some of the other stuff that happens in the show where I found myself thinking, could this almost basically wishing that this didn't have the common writer name to it? Yes, I especially Black because when you are remaking a show like Black and Black, the original Black is dark, but this goes to places that I've never seen another writer show go. Even stuff like Shin Common Writer Prologue doesn't quite go here, and. It got frustrating after a while where, like I said, I wish it it didn't have that name. But then you start having to ask questions like, could they have actually gotten it made without calling it Common Rider?
2: Honestly, it probably would fit better. And I I only know this show of a reputation, but in a weird way, it might be done better if it was Kakaider.
1: Possibly. Possibly. The original Kakaider, Kakaida, is gets pretty goofy, the anime gets really dark. I haven't seen the anime yet, but I've heard the anime go, gets really dark and goes to crazy places. Because it's ba- basically a Pinocchio story. You know, dealing with humanity and you know, what it means to be human and things like that. Identity, that sort of thing.
2: I threw out Kakaider because it has a Henshin hero that's not as well known. Mm-hmm. And honestly, the the Henshin hero part is just kind of thrown in you honestly could probably picked up a metal hero this could be a space sheriff gavin yeah the same impact you know yeah with, uh, i like spaceship i like metal heroes a space sheriff gavin no i'm just saying from common rider has more a stronger fandom to it and more emotion attached and more expectations of what it's supposed to be honestly as much as i like it honestly if they've made this into a live-action gyver
1: you know, it, Giver might actually make more sense. Giver would make more
2: sense because actually, honestly,
1: the more I think about it, given what I know of Guyver, this actually might have made more sense as a if they had made this a, a Giver show, like a live action Giver show,
2: replace Kaiju and Zoonoids in this exact same story, but bring in the aliens. Maybe. Which Maybe. I think the Kingstone, if they do do a sequel, I don't think the same director will do it, but I think the Kingstone, Kingstones will turn out to be an alien artifact and
1: I don't, I don't know if this needs a second season. Oh, it I,
2: does. I'm just saying if they did, that's where they would go. The aliens come back for their kingstones.
1: I mean, comic writer Black Sun RX, you know, I I guess, but I, I just I don't know. I don't know if I I don't I don't personally want a second season.
2: Oh, I I don't either. I don't want to have to set through that again. Well, um,
1: I, it's but the thing I will admit it's more because this just wasn't really for me but i also don't know if it's necessary like even if i had if i liked the show more than i do do i really think a sequel is necessary i don't know if a sequel is necessary it's like shin godzilla does should there be a sequel to shin godzilla i don't think there should be even though there are people who want a sequel cuz there's quote unquote loose ends that should be tied up or they thought we're setting up a sequel but i don't know if it, i don't think a sequel is necessary cuz i think if you make a sequel to Shin Godzilla, it robs that movie of its point. A sequel to this? I mean, we'll get to the ending in a bit. I know I keep saying that, but there's a lot to unpack with this, but I don't know if I would want one because I don't know if it's necessary.
2: I wouldn't want one either because the more likely the most predicted way they would go instead of it just being about Common Rider Black, they'd bring, bring in a bunch of common Riders and they would be out to destroy humanity
1: something or like that
2: some kind of takeover working yeah,
1: something like that
2: now Did we could talk shocker, there was a shocker reference really somewhere in here i'm trying to remember i was i have to look in my notes, but i made let's see
1: well while you look that up i just remembered something i was going to bring up in the style section which is you mentioned the logo that was on you call it the rx logo that is actually that's actually logo from the original black, but in this they and maybe this was the original intention in the original show, but they actually unpack it here, which is that is the Gorgum insignia, and it's supposed to look like a slithering snake trying to eat the globe, which when you know that and then you look at it i I can't unsee it now, yeah, even on the original show, I can't unsee it,
2: yeah, but I mean, you know. When it goes on his chest and it doesn't have the globe on it, it looks like the RX. It does. Minus the RX symbol. Of course, this could be, well, it's not a direct reference, but, and Gorgo may have done the same thing, but whenever they were talking about the, in 1932, the government created kaijin to be used as weapons of war.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I'm like, that sounds an awful lot like shocker from the original show.
1: It does. Yeah. It's a trope. With Common yeah. Rider, at least in the ones that I've seen, Travis would probably be able to tell me more uh, otherwise. But Common Rider typically fights a secret society in some form or another. And Ashinomori love that trope quite a bit. There's an evil secret society and Kakaida. And yeah, it just has a different name. The, the original Go-Ranger, because I'm reading the Go-Ranger manga right now, also has a secret society. Their methods are different. Their beliefs are different. Where Shocker was kind of a weird pseudo-cult, basically Nazi sort of organization, the Black Cross Army are are basically extortioners who deal in information to keep governments destabilizing.
2: Well, in the Go Ranger Ring, Show, Black Cross, the Black Cross Army is far more effective than Shocker. And because uh, the show literally starts out with them mowing down eagle bases all across Japan, what they're trying to do in the comic—that's how they, st- or in the manga, that's how they start the show.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And the Go Rangers are the only surviving members from each branch.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, they, there is a massacre at the beginning of the comic, but yeah, like I said, it's just—it's a thing. It's a trope with Ashino Mori stuff, especially but, early on. My note was.
2: Damani reveals that in 1932, the government created kaijin to be used as weapons of war. His grandfather, Nobuhiko's father, and Kotaro's father were part of that project.
1: Shocker. Wow. <laughs> didn't see that one coming. Wow. At all. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> that was a good one That was a good one you 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 know how our you know how my shows work now yes you do do. but so let's go on to Nobuhiko although I will say one last thing about the logo I do find it interesting that Gorgon which I I theorized in the giant size violence episode might be related to the word Gorgon which was Medusa and her two sisters and Medusa famously was cursed by the gods and had snakes for hair and would petrify people by looking at them because she thought herself as to be as beautiful as the gods and then the gods took offense at that and humiliated her by making her a pseudo-snake woman. And then Perseus cut her head off because that's what Greek heroes do. I do find it interesting that it's a snake eating a globe, so it's the serpent attempting to consume the world, which again might play into some of that christian imagery you were talking about we do have several episodes we do have a few episodes that have scenes that take place at a church which i was not expecting because christianity yeah. is exceedingly rare in japan it's maybe one percent at the most japanese population is christian
2: spoiler warning people we're going to talk about the theming and if you don't like religious talk you want to stop the show at that point because yeah you, you, you might
1: work. want yeah because we'll just, have to bring it
2: can't, up you can't
1: yeah, you can't. But we've I think we've unpacked Nobohiko enough at this point. Like I said, he basically turns into Magneto. He was the villain in the original Black. You get a little bit more time with him before he gets turned into Shadow Moon. In yeah. the original, he wasn't so much a Magneto. I guess actually, maybe a better comparison is if this Nobohiko is Magneto, the original. Shadow Moon might be more like a Doctor Doom perhaps where he's more he's more megalomaniacal but he's still a victim of Gorgum, and Kotaro is doing everything he can to save him especially since he is the brother of one of his friends there's these two girls that hang out with Kotaro quite a bit and it's her brother I, I would probably and think I think the other one was the was the girlfriend, so it's the sister and the girlfriend.
2: I would think of Noble Hugo in the original, from what I've seen, more like Apocalypse, because Doctor Doom is just a boy who wants his mama back.
1: <laughs> that That is true. <laughs>
2: and, and he'll serve the good guys or bad guys or whatever. Don't get me started on Doctor Doom. I could talk for maybe a two hours. Oh,
1: Doctor Doom is one of my favorite comic book villains. But anyway, oh. But anyway, I think we've unpacked him enough owie we'll have more to say about owie when we talk about theme but owie owie might be the secret main character of this show it's not a secret it's not a secret well i think eventually the secret gets out
2: <laughs> i don't think it's she she's the one of the first people you see and
1: this is true
2: warning to people just go ahead and be prepared it's not about the common rider black Sun. it's about owie She is, if you're a Will of Time fan, she is a Tarveran. Everything's attached to her. Mm -hmm. Everything gets attached to her. The will weaves its web around her.
1: Yeah. I will say, in concept, I like her. She's an interesting idea. I like, the, especially in the world that they've created, where the Kaijin are second-class citizens, it would make sense that there would be people who would be advocating for their rights. It makes sense and i do find it interesting that we're it when she's introduced which is very early on in episode one she is giving a speech to the u.n on behalf of kaijin and it's in english and this little actress has pretty decent english yes and then that gets mirrored later on because she gives a second speech to the u.n where you get this I don't i hesitate to call it a heel turn but it's this massive turning point in her development as a character because the whole premise of this is that and again i'm not opposed to this because this is a great concept which is you take this human rights activist this kaijin rights activist really and you keep putting her in a position where she's getting deeper and deeper into this so suddenly she's no longer the outsider advocating for a group she gets thrown into the group forcibly, yeah. I might add. It's something that would be incredibly difficult to do with most other like advocacy for other marginalized groups. It's hard to, it's something that would be a little bit hard to do in real life. Now, I have heard, like, I remember reading a book when I was in college. It was a nonfiction book where it was, I think it was a white journalist actually as an experiment I think this is I want to say back in the I think it was the 60s maybe I think it was was, I think it was the civil rights era for sure he decided I think and I think the book was called black like me or something like that where he actually did a bunch of makeup and made himself into a black man just to see what it would be like to live that sort of a life and it gave him a whole new perspective on things but that's different than forcibly becoming a member of that group,
2: Owie, If I could describe, she starts out like Martin Luther King. Even her speech has yes. Have dream vibes. And who later becomes a Malcolm X character, understandably in some
1: right because she witnessed atrocities. She wit started. She she was she's a teenage girl. I'm not even sure how old she. Maybe fourteen.
2: Fourteen. She's 14. yeah
1: fourteen. So freshman in high school and in a way, I've heard some people compare her to. Oh, dang it! What is the what is the, that uh, that teenage girl who? Got Greta Thunberg. Digged. Greta Thunberg. Yeah, Greta Thunberg. I've heard some people compare her to Greta Thunberg, which again, interesting. I wouldn't be surprised if that was at least partly the inspiration for her.
2: Get get ready for this hot take, sir. And this is where you're going to get canceled.
1: <laughs> uh, oh snap! But. The, I will but I'm going to say like she witnesses more and more atrocities because you get the impression when she's doing it initially it's just because she believes in the cause because it's wrong to mistreat people but then she starts seeing it more and more she sees her friend the bird Kaijin get murdered twice and yeah you know, so it just keeps piling on and on she starts becoming more and more extreme as she goes which is why I say maybe she starts off as a like you said a Martin Luther King or to use the X-Men analogy like a Professor X but then she slowly becomes less and less like that and that second speech to the UN was what solidified it for me that that's what made it abundantly clear she has crossed a proverbial Rubicon she has reached the point of no return she has crossed a line now and I really didn't know what to do with her, and I was still not 100% sure – again, this is more for the thematics uh, section – I still wasn't entirely sure what the show was trying to say with her because I don't know if they were trying to say that this transformation was a good thing or not.
2: What I'm about to say might help with it. When she starts out, she's a mixture of Martin Luther King from her ideals and mm-hmm. – and she's like Greta Thunberg because she's a young girl who
3: mm-hmm. believes
2: in something who it of her nativity in and ignorance is used by more powerful people mm. and put in situations and put in the middle of stuff that she's not ready for at this age, you know? Mm-hmm. And this is my, I have nothing against Greta Thunberg when I issue, am like putting her on stage and I'm like, you're making her the target of all this hate and you're going to end up destroying this girl and making her into an eco terrorist.
1: Yeah, Yeah. Because by the end that's, what owie becomes she's yeah, she becomes and, a terrorist yes may, and, some might say a heroic terrorist there's no such thing anytime that you're i mean it, it, depend it, to the if i may use a star wars analogy to the galactic empire the rebel alliance are terrorists but to us the audience they're the heroes yeah
2: well no because the Rebel Alliance was an opposing army. They were actually representing of an old government they were trying to regain. True. Behind. This is more of – this isn't really that per se because she's not – towards the end, she's not organizing a government or at – at that point, she's just fighting to destroy because she's angry. With terrorism, there's no real end goal, no real point. It's just like
1: I'm going to fight forever. Well, actually, didn't they bring that up? Yes. I think they, I think they it, did bring that up. Now, she said that
2: earlier, that she would never get... She would say that to her friend Shunsuke. That's his name, Shunsuke. That she would never stop fighting for Kaijin. By the end of the show, she's still holding on to that she'll never stop fighting for Kaijin. It's taken on a different meaning. But where I, where I kind of hesit, hesitate calling them necessarily... The imagery messes with the message. Because you have little girls... And little kids making pipe bombs. Yeah. Okay. But the way that Owie talked was like she's being forced to build a resisting army. But terrorism is not about resistance. Terrorism is about terror.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: It's about destruction.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: It's about taking lives. And the imagery and the message clash at this point like Mm -hmm. it may just be that they're using the materials that they have at hand but that is very specific imagery and it hits hard in the united states because pop bombs their most famous use was against children yeah made by children to use against children Mm
3: -hmm.
2: and that was very unsettling and that is something that if a person is trying to give this show. A shot that's never watched before might be turned off to common Rider completely because of right, especially if you're older, old enough to remember in 1999 Columbine and how prevalent pot bonds were in the early 2000s. It's going to be a
1: nope, right? Because Great. this isn't. I've heard some people try to say that this is the most Ashinomori common writer thing that's ever been produced. I hesitate to agree with that. I, I really do, because even the mangas that, is, you know, even the mangas are not like this. They The mangas have some political commentary, but they don't go this far.
2: And even though children die, it's usually because of diseases or because of something that happened off screen.
1: You mm-hmm. don't see. Or and it's connected to the villains.
2: And the children are always used as a point of hope for the future even though things are bad now you have these sweet innocent children even though all these bad things have happened they don't lose their hope we're not talking about them yet but we'll get into it yeah there's none of that here all hope is destroyed it's a very very not nihilistic look which again talk about thematics plays into the mentality of japan right now
1: right for sure for sure. And so we'll have to unpack more with Owie. I think, when we get to theme, because yes, because, she, she, because she because she's so central to the show and her development, it makes or breaks the show, depending how you want to feel about it. And I, like I said, I don't know where the show lands yeah. with her.
2: reason why I said that we couldn't divorce the characters and the theme is because Owie is the theme.
0: Mm-hmm. Like I said,
2: in The Will of Time, she's Taverian so everything is attached to her we will not be able to talk about the, we cannot really go into her character until we go into the theme because it's all tied to Owie.
1: right now the other characters there's a it's a cuz it's a fairly large cast they bring back the three priest priests yes or gorgon they're reimagined a bit in this they're less culty and more like they're basically politicians more or less. Bill uh, well, not Bill Genia. Bill Bill How are you saying? Bill Gania. Bill Bill he wasn't one of the priests, but it's it's bisham and Darham and Darum. Uh, yeah. Barum. And, and what? Bottom. Bottom. So they're all here and they're high-ranking members of Gorgum, but they are not. The leaders necessarily because that's still the creation king
2: on the chessboard, they would be like the rooks and bishops basically, but they're being used by the king and queen, so to speak.
1: Yeah, yeah,
2: but they're, I, I'm sure they're different in the show. But Darum, he just wants Darum, he just wants peace, he truly, truly wants peace. That's why he makes a deal with the devil, which mm-hmm. is uh Dalmani's grandfather, mm-hmm. and then later with Dalmani himself. Because he, he really, he, his true goal is equal rights for kaijin,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and, uh, no matter what. He he is, in a lot of ways, he is a violent pacifist. Mm-hmm. And he was also, and they don't expand on this nearly enough because of Yukari, that all the time they spend on her. And I have really mixed feelings about her. But he was basically Kotor's mentor.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And you get that. But that's not really revealed. or They don't plan on that near enough. Up until the fight between the two, which is
3: mm-hmm.
2: starts out okay, but then becomes like blah. But so he he's he's more of like the pacifist who's willing to use violence to obtain true peace.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: He's a compromised pacifist. Barom is just a guy you meet at the bar who likes to fight, but doesn't really have. He he's the muscle. He's the yeah. short muscle.
1: Yeah. Which is not too far off from how he was in the original show. Yeah, he was, he, he was the muscle. He was one much of much
2: taller in the black than he was in this. Yeah, uh,
1: because uh, what you don't because you have I'm guessing you haven't seen enough of it. They have the priests eventually get monster forms as they go.
2: Yes, which they do here as well from the beginning. Mm-hmm. They hint at it because the first sign you get of it is whenever Kotaro first goes into his Kagen form they're they almost transform themselves mm-hmm. they had to fight the transformation you see the and then they say black sun which that i never understood why would they be so closely linked to him that they would start to transform that time and not the others mm-hmm. it's it's so weird it's it's almost like when i first thought it i was like wait a minute is he somehow also the creation king or something that he's able to force transformations and others who are tied it it, like i said i don't know it's Mm -hmm. just it's something that almost like it was done as oh this look cool if it does this no it has to have a point sir yeah especially something as heavy as this you can't just have stuff randomly thrown in
1: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and so like i said they're less culty and less priest-like and Their methods are more political in nature, which, like I said, there were times where Gorgum was doing political things. And there's some very interesting episodes of the original Black where they touch on politics and how they use politicians to accomplish their agenda. But that's the whole shtick here.
2: There's not much difference between them and I forget his name, but the prime minister's right hand man who actually becomes prime minister later. yeah they're just featured more prominently in their in the secret their secret government.
1: Yeah, ministries. yeah. Which like I said, you know, plays into the reimagining, we'll say, of Gorgom in this. Uh, looking at looking at this, hmm? Vision was probably the creepiest one because Yeah. when she
2: started trying to make out with Nobuhiku, and I'm like you're even old by his standards.
0: <laughs> you're
1: like
2: yeah. 90, lady. Yeah. Baron was just kind of there, kind of mm-hmm. funny you, if there was comic relief, it was him, right? Yeah. Even though he had, which a wasn't cool a whole lot, I know. But he had the coolest transformation. I thought I liked his uh, mm. kaijin form, mm-hmm. uh, the saber tooth,
1: mm-hmm. which is from the original show.
2: Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: So, uh, looking over the cast here, we, we could probably talk about some of the new characters that were not as like Oliver and Nick, yes, because they're English speaking characters who live in Japan. Which, again, when you know that a big part of the inspiration for what's going on here is anti-foreigner sentiment in Japan, seeing these English speakers here is interesting.
2: It is, and it is directly tied to the civil rights movement. They are directly tied to the civil rights movement in America because Oliver says the reason why he attached himself to the kaijin was because he knew what it's like to be discriminated against, which I like that that's character building that's good and then now i didn't look up the actor who played his son but his son does look very new- and i'm forgive me people i'm not trying to get canceled but the term is black and he looks half black half japanese yeah i'm wondering if the characters actually has a black father and a japanese mother because he looks the part very well he uh, he's also an english speaker he's kind of like al secret agent
0: Mm -hmm. at first
2: he gets he's her source of information he finds stuff out for which we later find out that he the reason why he does that is because he's giving information to Gorgum and getting it from her so he can become a kaijin Mm -hmm. which this person's a minor character he's not really a minor character but they did do an interesting twist on the bat kaijin because he doesn't fight the common riders no. in this one. He's on their side. The only time you see him fighting is when he's fighting other Kaijin or when he's helping kill the prime minister.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah assassinate the prime minister in the most humiliating way possible.
2: Now there was one thing I was confused about though. What? In human form, he walks fine on two legs. When he's a bat, he hops. Did he lose? Does he lose a leg as a bat? I don't know.
1: <laughs> Maybe it's a reference to Chinese vampires because he's a bat.
2: He's a one leg vampire, bat.
1: Well, you don't you remember? Yes, or... I
2: remember that. I, I just, yeah. I'm like, okay, that just that would make sense, I guess.
1: I don't know. I I'm just bsing at this point because I I don't get it either. Maybe he can't walk well when he's a bat. I don't know. Yeah, I, don't know. A, but, I don't know. But but Nick, and I think Nick will have to will have to come up again in the thematic section. But Nick is a strange case because I feel like. Could, for one thing, Nick also participates in the assassination of the prime minister at the end, which is a really it feels like a really extreme turn.
2: And he also participates in the the forced transformation of. I'm trying to avoid yeah. the R word, but you do get those kind of get those kind of feelings.
1: There's, I I know which R word you're talking about, and there's definitely an element of violation. We'll say that yes. that's the more yes. polite way of saying it. Yes. There's a level of violation there, I would agree. But that's I, that's like I said, that goes back all the way to the original common writer because yes, forci- forcibly changing people into kaijin was their thing, and it's it's a violation. Yes, maybe not in the R-word sense, but it's still a violation.
2: It probably hits hard with me because I have a daughter about right. just a year older than her, and it. That was that was actually the hardest scene for me. I actually had to turn my mm-hmm. head because I'm like, mm, no, no, no. I know it's hard. It's I'm hard. Like, and I, when I do, I'm like, there's not going to be a single yeah. good person to root for at the end of this show. I right. already
1: Which is the weird thing because I I feel like Nick is presented as someone you're supposed to like, but then you like I said, you get this weird thing at the end. Well, not even the end, like halfway through because he's like, I wish I was a Kaijin. I won't be a Kaijin, even though. He finds out what you need to do in order to become a kaijin. He still wants to be a kaijin, and then he gets his wish by the end of it, and then he gets to kill the prime minister. And he does it, it, in a, it with a weird amount of glee. I was to the point where it's like, it seems like he wants to become a kaijin and basically give up his humanity because it's the trendy thing to do. And that is a potentially dangerous social commentary right there where people want to become something they are not because it seems like it's the cool thing to do. Even though, it, it's it, for what he's seeing, being a kaijin means you're joining a marginalized group, but he still thinks it's the cool thing to do.
2: And it makes no sense at all because if he was going to portray Aoi to anybody, you think it would be the anti-kaijin group because, spoiler warning, Sean is Oliver's son. Yeah. And his father was... Well, maybe not. It's weird because his father was murdered by a Kaijin and a human, because the prime minister. So maybe it does make some sense because he's thinking, well, I'm involved in this anyway. At least with the ki- maybe he's thinking as a Kaijin, I might have a fighting chance.
1: Possibly. I-, I don't know. Like I said, Nick is just weird to me. If there was some sort of messaging with him, it's lost on me.
2: I would say that there is an underlying – it may be just his home because of what's going on in America right now. Right. That he thinks that he will find the happiness that he needs by becoming something that he originally was not the way, was not. The way, that, he, way that he was born. And the way the show presents it is he does – because he becomes happy when he becomes a kaijin, but then he also turns into a murderer and he's abusing his power. Mm-hmm. So in like a like, wait, you're becoming. Of course, you could also argue like, well, no, that guy had to die, and there's a whole moral conundrum there. Yeah,
1: possibly. I don't know. Well, like, like I said, at the, the same time, he's dick still a weird. tool. He's still a tool, mm-hmm.
2: even even though he's still being a tool for the government. So it's just like there's no escape. Okay, since we're talking about the theme,
1: yeah, I think yeah. Uh, uh, well, is there are there any other characters? Oh, uh, the only other character I'll single out before we get to there is because we talked about whale kaijin. Oh, excuse me, we talked about bat kaijin. We I talked about the spider kaijin with Tommy and how yes. that was different and how that was a common writer tradition. Whale kaijin is from the original show. Whale kaijin is different in this he ends up serving a very similar purpose in terms of the plot because he's the one who saves Kodoro, brings it back from the dead it's different in the original show where in the original show he was made by Gorgum, and he was meant to be a monster of the week but he didn't want to do it he just couldn't do it he was one of the rare moral kaijin and it turned out that he was part of a race of whale kaijin and that's why he had all of the crazy resurrection juices that he was using. So it's similar in this where he is the, he's the one sympathetic He Well, all the are in some form or another are supposed to be sympathetic, but you know, in this one, he gets singled out as a friend of Kotaro.
2: The one truly sympathetic character in the show. That was one point, constant point of good in a lot of ways, even though he did get used a lot
1: because of his innocence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. got crucified. Yeah. So weirdly enough, Whale Kaijin's not too different from the original.
2: I think the biggest <laughs> departure among the Kaijin was the Komori, the Bat Kaijin. Because, mm-hmm. cause, you know, he's usually one of the more methodical, dangerous Kaijin. And here he's an idiot.
1: <laughs> yeah, basically. So, anyway, let's not beat around the bush anymore. Let's actually get to talking about themes because, oh, man.
2: Where we get canceled.
1: Uh, p- p- quite possibly, because this, like I said, this is seriously the most political tokusatsu I've ever seen. And there's just, there's no getting around it.
2: The only good that I can say about it is it's a good anti-Nihilism commercial. Comes like, This, this is where it leads.
1: <laughs> if you yeah, because this-, yeah, this, that is the thing. The original Black is not nihilistic. The original Black is about, I would argue, especially when you look at Kotaro's story, it is about maintaining your moral core in the worst of circumstances. And I won't spoil it too much for you, Chris, it doesn't have the happiest of endings. It's very bittersweet. And I commend it for doing that, But because this thing was just... This ending was not satisfying.
2: I, I, I'm fine with bittersweet. I'm not fine with a warhead ending.
1: A warhead ending? It's not Hashtag warhead ending. I like it. Yes.
2: yes. yes. <laughs> what is a
1: warhead ending?
2: Have you ever had a warhead candy?
1: Yes. Just sour. Just sour. Oh, I, I see what you did there. I, I see what you did there. But it, it's... Yeah.
2: And there is a dub, there is a euphemism there because Japan has a huge experience with sour yeah, and Yeah, that
1: was what I was thinking you were trying yes. to get at. I thought it was like because so, they nuke everything. I mean I yes. kinda of, metaphorically, maybe. Yes. Eh. But yes. yeah, cause so here's where I having I'm having this. We talked about a lot of the things that it touches upon, like prejudice and all of that, and the politics involved in all of this, and it's very heavy handed at points, like I said, subtlety of a sledgehammer. And, you know, all this talk about discrimination and, you know, where it starts to kind of come off the rails is, yeah, like I said, there's a, it does draw from a lot of Japanese sources. Then there are those moments where it's drawing from American sources. And I've talked about this before on this show. There are points where I think the Japanese use things knowing, oh, You know, this fits in with what we're trying to do. Oh, let's make the higher ups in Shocker wear pointy hoods and robes when they're doing their inner sanctum meeting because we know that there's this group in the United States called the Ku Klux Klan and oh, they're bad. So we can use that because our villains are, we want to make sure everyone knows, oh, our villains are extremely evil, but they don't fully understand the cultural weight. (laughs) Yeah, these images,
2: and they don't do deep dives and do research. It's like, oh, this is more nuanced. That like the shooting is supposed to reference Michael Brown. Michael Brown was beating the crap out of that cop. That's been proven in court when yeah. he got shot.
1: Right. So, like I said, there are there are moments where they use things to make their point. And I think trying to make a larger point, but again, I don't think they fully understand the weight. Of what they're gonna do because to use a smaller example there is a point where i think it's one of the early episodes where someone has a protest sign i don't remember if it's in english or not but i know at the very least it was translated that says stop kaijin hate which harkens back to something from 2020 because there was a rash of we'll say because this is the terminology that was used hate crimes committed against Asians stop because Asia. of yeah stop asian hate because the coronavirus covid originated in China so people were taking it out on people who looked asian same thing happened after 9/11 there were there was an increase in hate crimes committed against arabic people it's an unfortunate side effect of these things so okay i get that and i guess because it's a japanese show Maybe there's some. What's the word I'm looking for? Not synergy. There's some camaraderie or something. There's some resonance, I guess. That's the word I'm looking for. There's some resonance there. But the one that is gonna be the most difficult, I think, for Americans to swallow is during a montage in the last episode, toward the end, where Gorgum has been destroyed. Owie is now recruiting people for her quote-unquote resistance army and it's a lot of them are children who are being trained in night fighting and bomb building and we're seeing what the current climate is now and sadly not a lot has changed even with Gorgum out of the picture
2: Gorgum's not out of the picture that's true if you're the creation king they're they're rehabbing the party yes but they're rehabbing the party image and they're going back to the original vision that right grandfather had getting military power and it's just another
1: which is a movement in japan there are those who want to do away with article nine of the constitution which makes japan renounce war
2: here's the dangerous part about this show and we're gonna getting thematics and people there's gonna be religious talk because you cannot get around it because it plays into the mentality of japan at the time while they're having the problems that they are but this show destroys the idea
0: mm-hmm.
2: of hope, and it's just pure nihilism because the cycle just repeats. They take the attention off Kaja for a little bit; they're putting it on immigrants, but that's just a diversion so they can start building their Kaja mm-hmm. army while people aren't looking. It's all—they're saying all this is a distraction by the government. They're all being tools to of the government. The Ali just mm-hmm. becomes a part of that. She's actually become. She's actually. Whether she realizes it or not, she's building a military force. Before. And,
1: they're, and part of that montage is there's a kaiju who's getting arrested by cops. Yeah. He gets thrown on the breathe. ground. Cop puts his knee on him, and he says, I can't breathe. <sighs> I remember that was one of the things that was spoiled not long after the show premiered. Because there were people, and I don't know how they did this, because I there was no way I could binge on 10 episodes of the show in one go. First off, that's about nine or ten hours. That's about nine hours of material. Two, I can only stand so much of this extreme content at a time.
2: Oh, when I downloaded the episodes, I downloaded them so I could watch them without using Wi-Fi. It was like seven hours or 49 minutes. Okay, yeah. As I was saying, I can
1: only take so much of this, of extreme content like this at a time. I could, I think maybe, I think the best I could do was one or two episodes at a time. And I had to be in the right mood. And I admit part of what made me finish it was the fact that I thought I was going to podcast about it. Yeah, which I am now, you know, when I originally thought I was going to podcast with Tommy Trembath about it. And I just, uh, if it wasn't, I will tell you right now, if it wasn't for the fact that I had the podcast about it, I don't know if I would have finished it. But like I said, they bring this up and I don't think, I don't think they realize the weight that that holds, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the extreme cultural way. Cause that is still very fresh for a lot of people.
2: Honestly, I think it's disrespectful of what happened because that is such a powerful thing. Even now, because even people who are pro cop or they watch that, video, like, I have questions about how that went down. You know, why wasn't there any yeah. of and that kind of stuff. There's questions about it. Yeah. And it's really raw right now because he was found not guilty. And, people a lot of people understand it's like right something about this just doesn't feel right and it's it's almost of course in america sometimes we'll look at a a foreign issue and make it like a side note and we don't realize the impact that it's having if we truly globalist and mention that we really need to know Mm -hmm. the emphasis behind it it shouldn't just be a side note and it didn't make sense where he put it Honestly, if they had put that in the beginning scene with the riot where the guy to bind those two scenes together where he gets shot down and there's a guy screaming I can't mm-hmm. breathe it would make more sense there it you know it but it stands out because you're talking about something that's just I mean it's even a right. Korean girl that's being discriminated against right there so it's directly referencing. Mm-hmm a japanese problem while well, we have a similar one but this is actually directing
1: right what's happening and then in japan y- there's some other admittedly this is a bit subtler because it's more the imagery but when the little bird kaijin is killed for the second time because good lord this show it's a lynching which for americans holds a bit it's more a weight because there's a history of lynching that we have that we as americans have to grapple with
2: Feather other christian imagery The mother, crying at the feet of her crucified child, which
1: is harkens back to the famous painting of the Madonna, and uh, cradling the body, the recently crucified body of Jesus. Yeah. So, so like I said, there are points where it's extremely heavy-handed in its theming, but where I, but the problem is that even though it's saying things that we can agree with that are definitive, even if it's you know hammering it like i said like a sledgehammer you know as saying like you know prejudice is bad discrimination is bad you know people should be treated equally like all of these are all things we can agree with the problem is that it's by the end of this show it feels so murky i don't know where it's trying to land because you're because it's saying things that i think most people will agree with you know anti well i don't know if anti-racism is the right term here but it's being anti it is against racism that's what i'll say it's against racism but our characters take turns and end up going in directions to accomplish this where i think it's thematically and morally dubious because we mentioned it aoi basically becomes a terrorist and she's training children to kill
2: I think if there's – if we're looking at an overall theme, and I want to get into religious stuff here in a minute. If we're looking at an overall theme, it's anti-government. Yeah. This is no fan of the government either. Everybody ends up as a tool for the government to the point that Owie, who thinks she's fighting against it, is actually doing exactly mm-hmm. what Gorgon wants. Even to the point you said that that was actually Gorgon's mm-hmm. sim- symbol she was using. That's a sign she mm-hmm. she is now part of Gorgon because she's still as she calls him, Mr. Katara she's, thinks she's buying into the original idea of Gorgum, and the truth is it was always been a tool of the government. They're all mm-hmm. being used by the government. So this is very anti-government. That I think that's the main thing. But that plays into another part. Now, the, the problem is there yeah. is no hope left. The only person who – the last hopeful character, truly hopeful character gets killed, and what they're saying is hope and innocence just get you killed. It's Very nihilistic. And that is a result of something you talk about on the Monster Island film vault in the original Godzilla. Whenever the Americans occupied Japan, they made the Mm -hmm. emperor say he's not a god. They destroyed their religion. And then they did not let to any great detail anybody come in and try to bring religion. People have Mm -hmm. to have something to believe in. Whether you like it or not, you have to have something to believe in. Japanese, even to this day, don't really have anything to believe in. They have no real state religion anymore. Christianity, there's no. Buddhism Buddhism is is, the most common religion. Buddhism is. But it's the way they just melded into everything. Mm -hmm. It's more about actions and just a way of life. It's not. It doesn't give them a higher. Shintoism,
1: while it is not as. Weirdly enough, it's not as common as Buddhism now. It was the state religion for a while, well, for centuries. And because of that, Shintoism, much like Christianity has done in the West, is just it has so pervaded culture that certain elements of it, the Japanese just can't get away from it. And a lot of Japanese, my understanding based on research, is that a lot of Japanese people will do the cultural Shinto things, but they aren't actually practicing Shintoism. Yeah. Because the
2: Emperor was actually the head of their right. for lack of a term, their church, their group and without him gone, with it, it'd be like if we and we see this in America in the Christian Church, when you take mm-hmm. away Jesus from the Christian church, you mm-hmm. get an empty shell of what it was. Sure, we go through we might read our Bibles and like, Oh, there's some good life moral lessons here, but for it truly being life changing, you have to have Jesus, you have to have the Holy Spirit, you have to have the Holy mm-hmm. Trinity involved. It's has to be centered around yeah. them.
1: it's not Sorry for the interruption, but it's not entirely the same as like with European monarchs who ca- said that they were divinely appointed. You know, the, what is it? Divine right of kings that eventually was nullified, but it doesn't take away. It's And there's certain parallels with that with Japan after World War Two. But it it went even farther in Japan because in Japan, the emperor was the descendant of the sun goddess. He was truly divine.
2: The the Egyptian pharaohs were the descendants of Ra. So when you take that away, you destroy their entire religion. And nothing Mm -hmm. ever came in to replace that. Sure, Buddhism came in, but they just – in a lot of ways, it's another play Buddhism had had a foothold in
1: Japan (laughs) for quite a while. It was fairly common for a long time. But
2: as far as giving Mm -hmm. them meaning, they don't have that. So they see no point in getting married. They see no point in living. There is a – restaurant here owned by a japanese lady and one of the things she has up there she has a box for people to donate to stop suicide yeah. in japan because it's so rampant and this show perfectly caps now if i would recommend it, anybody watch it for any reason is to help them understand where the japanese mindset is they have no hope they have no belief that they believe that being innocent and naive and having hope mm-hmm. just gets you killed they have no real point to life. Materialism has filled the void a little bit, but again, materialism is empty, and once things are going as well financially, if they can't get jobs, if they're not finding the meaning that they're looking for, mm-hmm. they're dying out. And we're starting to have the same issue in America because we're abandoning our
0: mm-hmm. – we're
2: abandoning belief in general. Everything is becoming – and I'm not against science. I love reading about physics. I, I enjoy looking at the moon and stars and learning about all that and everything else. But if you take away poetry and the belief and you just become become sterilized the way life has now, Mm -hmm. what's the point? Like, people's like, you say, there are times you could say, like, if you try to say, oh, I enjoy the sunrise. The sun's not actually rising. I know that. But I'm using poetry to describe this beautiful thing that's happening.
1: It's a sunrise in the sense of how we perceive it.
2: Yes, I know the physics behind it now, but still, the way that it's presented is the sun is rising. Mm-hmm. It reminds us that there, that the only thing that darkness mm-hmm. is is the absence of light. Darkness, in of itself, mm-hmm. in of itself, is not a thing. It's just mm-hmm. the absence of something. That's why you say that evil can't create; it can only corrupt. or destroy. Yes, corrupt or destroy. So this show fully embraces nihilism. And it destroys mm-hmm. the story. When you when you have a show that ends with no hope, no story, there's no... I mean, Kotaro dies. Nobohiko well, I expected
1: Nobuhiko to die because he's the bad guy. Even if he's a sympathetic bad I mean, guy, he's still the bad guy.
2: You could argue that the worst person lived, Bisham. Even Yukari, who was supposed to be this wonderful lady, she was using her feminine walls to manipulate... Kotoro and Nobuhiko to do what they want, and we st- the show ends, but we don't know if she was actually taking it to kill the Creation King, or if she was actually mm-hmm. working for Domani. And her actions can mm-hmm. make you think both ways. So that you, so every character that you think is this sign of goodness, you see her kissing on Nobuhiko, kissing on K- Kotoro, and then Domani reveals, oh no, she was working for me. She was going to bring me the Kingstones. But then Belginia killed her mm-hmm. and ruined my plan. No, Hiko doesn't believe it, but that mm-hmm. never gets clarified whether it's true or not.
1: Yeah, basically. But And that is one of the things that ends up being so incredibly unsatisfying about this is because I feel like after watching 10 episodes, and you said it was bit, like, what, just shy of eight hours total? Seven hours and, Seven 49, hours minutes, and 49 minutes. And yeah. I get to the end, and there's no yeah Gorgon's defeated and the creation king is dead but nothing has really changed and one of the stated morals is basically that we're gonna have to fight forever because nothing is it, there's this sense of resignation with that like it's we have to fight forever because nothing's really going to change which begs the question then why even bother
2: exactly and the strange thing is that somebody would actually stop fighting, maybe sit back, and let these people beat themselves to death. They could actually rise up and yeah. bring a message of hope later. Yeah. No, see, I'm still yeah. here. And, I mean, I still even believe. if – okay,
1: even if you're going to – end, here's the thing. Even if you were going to end the show where, yeah, you beat the bad guys, but the kaijin are still second-class citizens who are being oppressed, but you let Aoi not become – a terrorist leader training children. Like maybe she, maybe she decides I'm going to be the Martin Luther. I will fully embrace being the Martin Luther King. I am a Kaijin now. I understand their plight better than ever. And I'm going to do whatever I can to change things peacefully. You know, even if, even if nothing's Uh, happening uh, now, I'm determined to make it happen. And I will not stoop to what Gorgum did before all of that. I would be happier with that. It's bittersweet, but I would still be happier with that. But you end with this feel like she's fighting a hopeless cause, but fighting the hopeless cause is the only meaning that she can find, which just, it doesn't resonate.
2: Another better ending would be like, she meets with the new prime minister. Like, listen, I want equal rights. You're promising. You want a military. You're wanting to give him a, maybe she agrees with that. Japan needs a military force. Times have changed. We'll do that. We'll even vote for you. But you have to give us this. And the end of the show is they actually stop fighting and come to a compromise and start Mm -hmm. actually trying to build a better Japan. Even though they don't agree on a lot of stuff, the the politicians, they they really don't have Mm -hmm. any beliefs. They're looking for power. She gets rights for her people. They get the power. It's not an ideal situation, but it's better than what they had.
1: You can still have that – like you said, that kind of bittersweet ending – where there's at least some forward progress. And it just feels like, yeah, it just, even if you're just looking at it from a purely from a storytelling standpoint, there doesn't seem to be a, not seem, there's no real difference between the beginning of the show and the end of the show, other than some people died.
2: And all the people who were truly fighting for Kaijin rats have
1: given up. so So it just doesn't resonate on a lot of levels. I said the ending of the original Black is bittersweet, but stuff is still accomplished the bad guys are beaten and some people that you wish hadn't died did die and some people that you really liked are no longer in the picture because of how dire things got in the final episodes of the show you know those last handful of episodes and kodoro in the original show is not in the happiest of places by the end of it but you still feel like something was accomplished he was so dedicated to nihilism, he sacrificed the story, because you could have had Damani, who
2: started out as a punk kid, okay? But he met some kaijin. He ended up becoming a worse person, but maybe he ended up mm-hmm. becoming a little bit of a better person. But he also sees where his grandfather's coming from. He's not the ideal person. He he Maybe he's like, okay, I agree with my grandfather's ideas. We need a stronger military. And it becomes a necessity because of his grandfather, because the whole world gets kaijin. And I'm sure other countries do have kaijin in their armies. Yeah. We're it becomes
1: him. almost like a like okay. a Kaijin arms race, as weird as it sounds.
2: Yeah, and he's like, my, he's like, my right. grandfather created this problem, and mm-hmm. but I'm not my grandfather. All I'm trying to do is because now these other armies have Kaijin in them, right. we can't just keep doing this forever. We can't just be at their mercy. We need to have our own right. military and the, with Kaijin in them. Right. And we Sorry. need to have equal rights. You know, he's like, he can use his skill. He's like, I feel guilty for what my grandfather did. Whether we make a military or not, they're going to have equal rights. Mm-hmm. But we also need this. And that-
1: right. And the other thing is, like with Kotaro, this Kotaro, I, I would have, I so would have preferred that he went through some sort of an arc where he gets out of his, his his ambivalence, and he decides, you know what, I need a a cause, I need a purpose. And that's what this is. And it has to be more than just Owie. Because what, yeah. it, I don't understand, because it, it just, I'm having a, a hard time separating how he's loyal to Owie, but her cause doesn't seem to mean a whole, it doesn't seem to mean as much to him as you would think it would.
2: It, it's almost like you get attached to people who yeah. people always let you down. And again, that comes from the lack of their, there being no, higher power, because like I said, with the emperor gone, Shinto lost its higher power. Buddhism doesn't really talk about a higher power. It talks about becoming the best mm-hmm. person you could be to reach nirvana. Evolution and science cannot explain
3: mm-hmm.
2: morals or good. You have to have something mm-hmm. to believe in a higher power. You have to have a higher power to explain right. why there's Or at the very least,
1: world. people, you, you mentioned it earlier, humans have to believe in something. Even if it, even if you look at humanism, which I would argue, I'm kind of thinking on the fly here and I might change my mind later, but the original black, I would probably describe as humanist. Humanism still believes in something. It is attempting to make sense of the world, even if it's separate from, we'll say, religious belief. It still believes in something. It still says morality is a good morality is something that should be pursued. Like I said, the original kodoro was a character who was doing everything he could to remain a moral person in the worst of circumstances, which is why the show, the original show resonated with me as much as it did. That's not here. <laughs> This is, like you said, this is nihilism. It it doesn't believe in anything and anything that could be seen as a positive. It basically says it's going to be this never ending struggle. You're going to have to fight it constantly, even though you're never really going to accomplish your goal, which again, just begs the question, then why even bother? It's also the polar opposite of Ultraman you've been partaking of some ultraman lately the whole theme of ultraman no matter which of the shows that you look at and i've seen a lot i haven't seen all of ultraman but i've seen a lot of ultraman it's based in hope that is the the, every single ultraman in some form or another is viewed as a symbol of hope of standing against malevolence in this case the invading monsters and aliens it's standing against them as much as possible. Like the end of Ultramantiga, bit of a spoiler here, people. The, the whole end of Ultramantiga in the show is all about faith, not just faith, but childlike faith, because it is literally as corny as it sounds. And I, I swear it's better in execution than, than it sounds on paper. Ultramantiga is basically resurrected by the faith of children. So that he can then go fight this Lovecraftian horror that shows up in the last couple of episodes because he gets beaten the first time.
2: Well, it's not done near as well, but for people who may not watch Ultraman, they did that somewhat in Power Rangers mm-hmm. Mystic Force. Not as well, but they are restored by the faith, childlike faith, the innocent faith of the people. They suddenly like, they put off all their differences, all their doubts. Like, mm-hmm. I believe in magic. And it powered up the Rangers enough to get their powers back and stop this Lovecraftian horror. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not done near as well, mm-hmm. I'm sure, as Tiga. But right, 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 the and the it, to give even
0: on.
1: you look at the the Super Sentai's. The Super Sentai's are based in something. They believe in something. I just finished Mega Ranger because that's the next Sentai that the Power Trip is going to cover. And one of the things that gets brought up a lot in Mega Ranger is protecting what matters most to you, whether that is. An aspiration, whether that is people, or family, friends, whatever it is, the whole show ends up being about that idea.
2: Well, if you know, also the best senti, the best superhero shows, they don't ask why is there evil. That's actually, and to give people some background, I'm an Orthodox Christian, and we view people while we believe that the world is fallen, we do believe that it's still good because in the Bible, God never declares it not good, He just mm-hmm. says it's fallen. And people have embraced evil. And so the question is not why is there evil, but why is there good? You can't mm-hmm. ask one without the mm-hmm. other. It's, it... You have to ask why is there good? The reason why we know that there's such a thing as evil mm-hmm. is because there's something yeah, it's good.
1: It's why I've argued that why – because I'm a Christian as well – why I've argued that you could theoretically, I might add, believe in God but not the devil. But you can't believe in the devil without God.
2: Yes, That is very true. Yeah.
1: And it's the same thing. And all of that to say, that's why this show ends up being frustrating. It's one of those things where it seems like it's very good at pointing out the problems, but it seems to have zero interest in offering any sort of solution. And I'm not necessarily asking it to offer a solution, but it should still have the idea that the solution can at least be found. It fails because it lies to
2: people. Mm-hmm. It tells them that there's no hope. There's always hope, and I, honestly, I don't think it qualifies as art because if you, art is about finding truth, and if you lie to people, mm-hmm. it's not art. So I think this fails as an artistic endeavor because mm-hmm. again, it lies. There's always hope. That's why black works. See what Sentai and Common Writer do. Like something horrible happens, and mm-hmm. they had to come back from it, and they had to find mm-hmm. reasons to believe. And for people who haven't watched these Japanese shows to bring back to Power Rangers, it's like when Jason said whenever things are horrible during Green Rainbow, is it isn't 1% mm-hmm. chance enough to keep fighting. The world needs us. In other words, mm-hmm. we are the good. We are representative of the good, and we need to provide mm-hmm. people there as good to, out there. To
1: use another kaiju comparison that I think will wrap up because I think we've made our point. I I'm reminded of – I don't know if you've seen this, Chris. Have you seen Gamma 3? I have not yet,
2: but I do have it. You should on my list.
1: You should. Bit of a spoiler here. But interestingly, one of the titles used for Gamma 3 was Incomplete Struggle. And when you get to the end of Gamma 3, and it is a little bit of a controversial ending because pe- some people felt like there wasn't a resolution to it, which is why Shinpei Hayashiya famously made a fan film sequel because <laughs> he was frustrated with the ending. I'm one of the people who actually thinks the ending works. And that's because it's not a case of the that the cycle will just continue so the struggle is pointless. I feel like with Gamera 3, because the actual story, what's going on, has a resolution. Iris is defeated. The girl who was who basically became. Well, who became so integral to Iris that Iris merged with her after basically co- taking advantage of her hopelessness and merging with her, exploiting her. Gamera saves her. There's even a point where arguably Gamera brings her back from the dead after ripping her out of Iris, like st- you know, like, Stabbing his you know his hand into Iris and pulling her out. All right. And then, you know, getting his arm cut off, and you know, and p- after it was pierced through the hand, there's some interesting Christian imagery in there. All of that's done. And the girl even says, Why did you save me? And there's just this knowing look on Gamera. It's brilliant suit acting, where it's almost as if he's saying, It's what I do. But then he goes off and there's a swarm of Gauss coming. And the movie ends with Gamera about to come confront the Gauss, which again, I think goes back to that original Japanese title, Incomplete Struggle. People are frustrated by that, but it's not ending on a hopeless note. The point, uh, the girl is saved, she she learns that she got in this position because of the futility of revenge, because she was obsessed with getting revenge, and then she's saved by the being that she wanted to get revenge against, and it just baffles her and then he goes off and now he has another problem he has to fix. So he, he he takes care of one issue and now he's being confronted with another one mere moments after he has had his hand stabbed through and then had to blow it off because you know because he that was the only way to defeat Iris.
2: Yeah. Well that's life people.
1: Yeah. That still works because it's not saying that the struggle is pointless it's just saying You may, just because you take care of one issue doesn't mean you're not going to face another one. And we already know because of what happened with the other story that it can be overcome. We don't need to see it necessarily. Yeah. We can have confidence that Gamera is going to triumph.
2: Yes. That is, to be cliche, the meaning of life.
1: Yeah. So that's why Gamera 3 works. And this ultimately, for me personally. Does not. Just doesn't. It does not. All right. Since we have basically had also had the subtlety of a sledgehammer with all of this, Mr. Reiner, I think it's time. We've made our point. We have a few more things to highlight. Let's get on to the awards. <laughs> <laughs> Cuz we are still going to give out awards even though we have spent the better part of 2 hours bashing this show to a certain extent. Well, there are things to like about it, just not a lot. <laughs> Yeah, not a lot. We, I, just to back up a little bit because uh, we didn't bring this up in the stylistic portion, and just to end on a little bit of a positive note, because I know this is something that you brought up in our private conversations. The music is good. The
2: music is beautiful, and except for one exception, the tokusatsu is gorgeous in this.
3: Hmm.
1: There's one exception, but we'll get to that. Is that going to come up in the awards? Yes. Okay. And I will say I. This theme song, while I don't think it holds a candle to the original theme song for Black, cause, or the ending theme for Black, because the music in Black is incredible. I can't say that enough. But the theme song in this is pretty memorable. It's called Did You See the Sunrise? I like the play off of Black Sun. So
2: The only points I give against it is because it, it, it sets up expectations that are completely subverted by the show.
1: <laughs> to a certain extent so yes uh, give a little shout out here to kenta matsukuma who is the composer yes for this show so just wanted to bring that up really quick here and now for the patented henshin men awards which we totally didn't steal from monsters versus men the shtick has been fulfilled anyway first up we have, and just so everybody knows, these are fun little awards we give out to certain standout elements of whatever it is that we're talking about, whether that be a television show or a movie. So first up, we have the Henshin Kick <laughs> Award for the Best Stunt or Fight Scene. Chris, as the guest, I will let you go first.
2: Well, I have, I have two runners-up, and I know which gonna okay. winner, so I'm going to let you go first, just so I don't accidentally get oh, my okay. runner up
1: well, like I said, I since I'm going off of memory and a little bit of review for this, I am kind of going with the easy answer, which is the final fight between Black Sun and Shadow Moon because it's the culmination of the show. It's the climax, the action climax, we'll say, of the show with a lot of emotional resonance and everything going on with it. Shadow Moon ends up Having a tragic end. So even though, if I remember correctly, Black Sun does kill him. Does he kill him? Or is, or did Aoi do that? Why am I thinking Aoi did that? Think, no, I'm pretty sure it was Black Sun.
2: I can't remember. It wasn't Black Sun because they, came, they stopped fighting. I think he kind of just
1: died. Okay, he just died. But still, he has this very human moment where he starts wondering... If he's doing the right thing, because now he's fighting his best friend. Yes. And it's like, did we really have to come to this? But then again, like I said, it ends up being very nihilistic because, you know, they acknowledge that and then don't really do anything with it because Black Sun just has to become the creation king for a hot minute so Aoi can kill him and end the creation king permanently. Yes.
2: Yeah. So that was my third place. My second mm-hmm. place, because I liked I just kinda like the way it worked it was Black Sun versus the Creation King, but there's a lot of things that were wrong with it that held that back. The one that won for me was Shadow Moon versus Bishop. I love the way mm-hmm. that fight went. She was a high flyer. It was hard for him to fight against her and he did not win that fight. And she's mm-hmm. the only surviving member of the three peat priest at the end.
1: Mm-hmm. I guess a runner up for me would be because we talked about it would be Bill Bill Jenia versus the cops, which yeah, I think there's some problematic elements with that with the imagery, but I like the sentiment. Of I, it. Like the sim- I like the I like the I love the symbolism
2: of it when I did the actual fight, yeah, and the reason why that didn't get in my wars is because it's offset by while he's fighting to protect her innocence like I mentioned before. She's throwing it away in that speech, so I'm like, it, yeah. In other words, because it it's like the
1: it's role. the mirrored opposite of her first speech, and
2: it's like, oh, he's doing all this great thing, and it's pointless
1: in the end. Yeah, basically, that's anytime there's this there's a big dang hero moment in the show, it ends up, end up, yeah, being rendered pointless because it's it's nihilistic. All right, are we ready for the next award? Yes, sir. All right, so talk for the best special effect. with Jeff.
2: I only had one. There was a clear winner to me, hands down, Creation King.
1: Creation King is impressive.
2: That I mean, the, the fact that something that big can move that well and that believably.
1: The sound effects really sell it.
2: Yes, the sound effects sell it. The only, of course, the fact that he had to move that slow and be that believable was what I actually took away from the Black Sun versus Creation King fight. Because how could Black Sun not realize he's about to get his leg chopped up with something that's going.
1: I am taking my time. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mine. And I I have a bit of an asterisk with this. Okay. Well, I appreciate it for what it is. In the context of the show, it feels really out of place. But I commend them for doing this. And that is the recreation of the original Common Writer Black opening in episode 10.
2: That... That almost got it for me, but I just couldn't pass that creation king as far as actual the tokusatsu that got it for me.
1: Yeah, but why I say I like it, and this was one of the things that got spoiled, I think, within a day of the show dropping. Somebody posted it onto Twitter, and I give them credit. They got it down basically like 90 plus percent to a T. If you watch the original theme song and they played the original theme song, not a remix, not a cover, the actual original recording. All that's really cool. You know, and it's interesting seeing it done with modern cameras and in widescreen with the new costumes. And it's one of only a handful of times that we get actual writing in this, which has been a bit of an issue for what I understand with modern common writer. They keep emphasizing the common and not the writer because, of new laws related to motorcycles that have been passed in Japan, which makes it even harder to actually do motorcycle stunts and things like that. It's a thing. Well, I hear New Zealand
2: has plenty of filming space now.
1: Yeah, I it's true. But <laughs> <laughs> Saban's best rider, too. How about no? And it was. <laughs> yeah.
2: No, just move their
1: filming. Oh, God. Can you imagine? I would almost want to see them try this. Can you imagine Saban, like, taking common Writer* Black Sun footage and trying to make another M- Masked Rider show with it? Oh, my God. I'm Masked Rider. dies in five seconds. And- <laughs> I'm Masked Rider. I'm Masked Rider. <laughs> it was full tilt Batman. Yes. If, anyway. Anyway, so while I appreciate what they do, And it does look really cool. When you look at it in the context of the show, again, it's rendered pointless. Because the whole idea is that this is the triumphant return of Kodoro. He's been dead for the better part of an episode and a half. And Whale Kaijin brought him back right at the end of episode 9. And then episode 10 starts with him. He's like, I'm on the motorcycle. I'm going to go find Shadow Moon. And I'm going to fight him. And I'm going to save the day. Woo! And so you get this. Tri- it's this triumphant moment but then when you stop to think about it in context it doesn't matter it's pointless and it, it feels so out of place with the tone of the show yes because it, it just doesn't work they're taking the original black and like a tiny piece of the original black and splicing it into the show and it doesn't fit
2: no because he ends up winning he doesn't even need to be common Rider when he top- he wins by talk no jutsu <laughs> and then he loses to the creation king because he becomes the creation king and has to be killed by
1: yeah so it's i I honestly think they threw it in there simply for nostalgia because i read that the original that the director of this didn't see the original show hadn't seen the original show when he got the job he watched it after he got the job and clearly you could tell he latched on to certain things but then flew off into a completely different direction with them was it here
2: or with the Crab Dad that they played back to the original comic writer, and he dissolved into soap suds?
1: It was Crab Dad.
2: Okay, all right. I knew it was. And I like that throwback. I'm like, okay, yeah. cool. cool, cool, cool. You're trying to convince us you watched the show, and it's obvious you didn't. Yeah.
1: yeah, but
2: I did. I did like that little Easter egg.
1: Yeah. So next up, we have coming at you for. I was proud of that name (laughs) for the best line. This was the part where losing my original notes was a bit of a detriment because I had a hard time remembering things, but you jotted down a line that I do think I probably would have gone with any, I would have gone with. So we have the same one.
2: This is a line that said by everybody, the value of Kaijin laws outweighs that of the earth. There isn't even one gram of difference in their worth. And like every other big bang hero moment in the show, it proves to be pointless. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's one of those things. It's like, it's a sentiment we can all agree with. Yes. But I don't feel like it ends up meeting anything in the show. That's the frustrating part. Yes. It, there are things we can agree with, but then the show undermines
2: it. Yes. But it feels like something you live by, even though people will not understand a thing you say when you say Kai.
1: Yeah. I mean, you could just replace Kaijin with, something else and well and for the most part it would work all right so i guess
2: we can wrap that up with going to what the henshin because i don't have any other lines (laughs) like on the show is horribly devoid of memorable lines
1: yeah this is for those who don't know this is for the craziest moment wth what the henshin for the craziest moment my favorite award personally but what i show i I chose two things i have a runner-up but i think we've basically Talked these to death already. One was the head crush. I'm focusing more on the on episodes four through ten. If you want to hear my awards for the first three episodes, go listen to giant size violence. But number my runner up was the head crush. But really, for me, it's the ending because I was just not happy with the ending. I'm like, really, this is how you're going to end the show? And I am get. Do you agree, or did you have another one?
2: Oh, I have another one. And we're going to cross okay. over crossover because I'm going to need the rant master.
1: Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Do you need it now? Is yes. it now? Are we crossing the podcast streams? Yes. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. Rantmaster activated. The
2: pacing. Oh, my gosh. This fits in with the styling, but the pacing is horrid. And this is the emphasis of this is in episode four. You have Owie. She's meeting with her dad who's acting weird, okay? He's acting weird. They also take this incredible character during this that was made to look so intelligent and turn her stupid, and he's asking weird questions about her necklace that he gave her, and she's not picking up. Something's wrong with daddy. Okay, we cut to a scene where you have Komori talking to Nobuhiko, telling him what Gorgon's planning. Cut back to her and her dad. He transforms into Crab Dad. Starts chasing, partially transforms. Sorry, because body horror being gross. Part of kaiju, but still, it was really weird. Then it cuts to another scene where you have Sam Komori meeting with Kujira, and they're getting out of line for food, sitting down, and you see owie run by, how long has she been running? Or, can he teleport? How fast can this bat fly? And she's not even out of breath. No. (laughs) No, no, no. This is – I have – I've never made a film, but I've watched enough. That's not how you pay stuff, and this is why you don't need to be emulating Christopher (laughs) Nolan, sir. You don't have the talent. I'm sorry. This show and the way that you chose to edit it and put it together makes me not want to watch any of your other movies. Period. I, I would love to see the scripts of this show what it was like before this director got a hold of it and hacked it up. Because I have a feeling the scripts might actually be better. And if they are, this might deserve its own novelization project. Because this is horrible what he did to this. The pacing and editing was horrid.
1: You can scratch something off your bucket list now, can't you?
2: Yes. <laughs> my first episode i got to a rat master
1: you've been you're really i'm gonna do it i'm gonna get my rat master and i'm gonna die a happy man yes. <laughs> i will be a hundred years old and i will be talking to my children
3: yes.
1: right before my passing and i'll say i regret nothing
2: i got <laughs> a ranch master exactly but it deserved it
3: oh my gosh
1: i'm glad i'm so glad you're happy yes
2: Hopefully the listeners will be too.
3: Uh,
1: and if you don't know what's, what this is about, go listen to The Power Trip. That That's usually a gimmick reserved for The Power Trip. It's been on Henshin Men a couple of times, but it's usually reserved for The Power Trip. Yeah. Although I have a feeling it will live beyond yes. The Power Trip. It but needs yes. to.
2: That is my want to But <laughs> Want the because that just – I'm like, I can't believe this show that was – Building it, it's so slow paced, all of a sudden it lost all track of what it was doing.
1: Oh my gosh! All right, and with that, speaking of pacing, it's time for minute to hench it. <laughs> so this is the part of the show where each of us give our final thoughts in one minute or less. Drew, I almost called you Drew. I'm sorry, Chris. <laughs> I'm used to podcasting with. Certain people. I'm sorry. But as the guest, I will let you go first. Are you ready? Yes, sir. All right. On your mark. Get set. Hedge it. Unless you enjoy
2: drinking yourself into deeper depression, don't watch this show. <laughs> don't waste your time. Go watch Common Rider Black. Go watch the original Common Rider. At least you'll have some laughs in that. Watch Ultraman. Watch Shin Common Rider if you want to watch something new. Just don't watch this. I, I'm sorry. Just don't watch it. it. It's not worth your time. It will leave you feeling hopeless and depressed. And if you're already feeling depressed, I don't want that on my conscience.
1: So I'm done. Wow, thirty-two seconds. Wow, that's. Uh, I don't know if you quite beat Travis, but that's that's very. That was a very Travisy effort there.
2: <laughs> Short and sweet. This show doesn't deserve any more than that we already given it two hours and 51 minutes.
1: All right, here I go. Henshin. So, yeah, I walked away from the show very unsatisfied. I know some people said that this is the most Ashino Mori thing to come out of Kamen Rider. I disagree. Having read the original manga and having watched the Monstrosities documentary about Kamen Rider Gaia, I don't think Ashino Mori would come out this nihilistic with anything common writer I he was not that hopeless of a man perhaps a very perhaps a bit of a dark man but not such a hopeless man because the original common writer manga is not like this I just did an episode on it go listen to that and hopefully you'll understand where I'm coming from so do I recommend the show no go watch the original black you're better off with that
2: no shino mori doesn't deserve that because with his stuff that he uses the darkness to make the light brighter
1: yeah and i would this, agree with no you that right right <clears throat> i did that in 56 seconds i was very proud of myself usually i, I usually I try to stretch it out all the way to the end but still all righty so those are our final thoughts thank you once again for joining me today chris and I know from the many private conversations I've had with you that you've caught the podcasting bug. I look forward to your efforts in the future.
2: Thank you. I'm still in the preparation stage a lot because I work two jobs and I have a family. It takes a mm-hmm. while, and but it is coming. And when I do, you'll be the first to know and I'll be looking to the guru of stream of self-promotion to get it out there. <laughs>
1: i don't think i've ever said that on henshin and actually yes sir <laughs> you not, have have i have i
2: okay you've
1: just... you, you mentioned same
2: shameless self-promotion and other people called you the guru so i'm sure people <laughs> know i'm,
1: I'm sure. sure i was called shameless self-promotion in motion during a kaiju weekly stream
2: <laughs> that is accurate it is.
1: It, yes i am <laughs> i probably i think i toss and turn in my sleep too so even when i'm sleeping i'm still moving but anyway thank you for listening to henshin man it took us out to appreciation podcast you can find links to all our social media in the description of this episode because you should always read the show notes i put a lot of work into the show notes just saying people (laughs) you can listen to more of travis on the kaiju weekly news podcast and listen to more of me on the monster island film vault and our sister podcast the power trip a journey through the power rangers franchise and now chris because i know you need to scratch this off of your bucket list it's time for you to do some shameless self-promotion i hope you're happy
2: well I don't have a much to promote right now. I have a Facebook. You can find me at Christopher Reiner on Facebook. I'm sure I'm on Twitter somewhere, but I haven't been on there in forever. I didn't even know there was a name change until this gentleman mentioned it. Um, I've got to get more connected, but I'm 38 and get off my lawn.
1: (laughs) Get off my lawn! That's how you got to. You got to say it. You got to. You got to. You got to tap into your inner Clint Eastwood. You know?
2: But th- there will be more social medias coming as soon as I figure out how it all works, and I will hopefully get to. If I could ever get to guest host this gentleman again, I'll have an update for you.
1: Uh, well, I'm. I'm sure you'll find a way back the show. No, I. I know you're going to be on the film vault. Mon- yes, you you're going to see- be on the film vault because you sponsored the film vault at the level where you get to be on the show. Yes, for
2: Star Trek. And yes, there are in yes. Star Trek.
1: Yeah, you, you, patience, everyone. You'll find out the connections, moment, uh, not momentarily, but in a little while. Anyway, yeah. if you found some enjoyment from this podcast, please consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Podchaser. And until next time, what are we going to say, Reiner? No matter how black the sun, there is
2: always hope.